Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Pit Shack Podcast. This episode, once again, sponsored by Atnip Enterprises. Uh, get a hold of Jeremy Atnip for any of your race car needs. Peyton can work on your stuff um, for free, as far as Jeremy's concerned, and any kind of excavating and trucking needs that you have. And um, today, we're in Fairgrove, Missouri, with Dale Roper and Rick Sharp. I want to thank Riley for getting this set up. Riley's also in the room with Austin and I. Um, Rick's uh, gonna kind of hold our hand on a little bit of this because <laughs> we're we're in for a good education here. So Rick's the moderator, so to speak. So we appreciate you very much for having us down here. This is a we're in here. This this was this your office at one point? Well, just a room where we just junk room mostly kept stuff piled up mostly <laughs> there's a lot of really cool pictures in here i was asking about yeah. a couple of them when yeah. we first walked in and yeah. yeah we had a time we uh we had all this stuff out and and uh we just started we went we did have to go by the checkerboard wall mm-hmm. stuff and uh then we just started hanging stuff up and and digging stuff out we have we've got trophies from i don't know dales and and uh peewees and uh, some of Dean's from his USAC races, and uh, I think some of mine are in here too, actually. And maybe some of Tony's may have some in here too. Yeah. How many trophies you reckon you've given away or lost well, throughout the years? Well, the last uh, the last five years that I raced uh, on a regular basis, <clears throat> once a week, I only kept one trophy. Yeah. Uh, if I I don't know. Uh, well, I know the last year in 2002. I won nine, so I won nine trophies, and I kept one. Mm-hmm. I won nine features that year, which was a pretty good year. We're in 19 shows. Right. Uh, but I always just give them away to some kids right. that was at the track, yeah. you know. I used to be pretty stingy with them, yeah. and I started giving a little bit of them yeah. away, I'm sure. Yeah. When they say you can't boil them or eat them. They're no good. You know? <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to sell them back to the trophy shop. I'm going to make a little bit of money on it. Do you have a... A rough guesstimate of how many races you've won in your no, career? No, I don't know. I lost a lot more than I won. <laughs> uh, I raced a lot of years in the 60s and uh, 70s where I didn't win very many races. We were there. Uh, we were running against uh, people that had raced for several years longer than me. <clears throat> and uh, I might have had as good equipment as they did, but I wasn't as good as they were. Right. I put it that way. You know, when, you got, when you're going against Phillips and Goldsberry and Ken Digg and Willie Crane and Bud Martin and Don Gordellis, you're not going to beat them guys the way I was racing very often. You think if uh, if you were to step in the race in the day, you think it's easier, so to speak, than it was back then to get your feet wet? Oh, it'd be, it would be harder, you know, because uh, back when I started, we were running stock cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was salvage yard stuff, you know. You couldn't, there wasn't much aftermarket stuff then, really some tires maybe but we built all our own stuff the car that i raced a lot of races and won some races in rick and i started right here in the floor when really we didn't have much more than a torch and an axe and build it bare frame up mm-hmm. put the roll cage in it and everything and i raced that car it was a torino originally we shortened it up made it a mustang <laughs> and then uh in the asa they we run the asa some and we had a 69 Mustang body, good body, and they would let you switch motor. I started out with a 427, actually a 454 Ford motor. We had two motors. We finally blowed both them up, and we put Chevrolet motors in it. And we ran Chevrolet motors in it with Ford frame. 
but that was a car that I ran that 400 lap in, that, that car. But it had a Chevrolet motor in it. What year was that? That was 1977. We ran the World Cup 400. You talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah. You said that was the who's who race. Oh, ever it was, it was about 80 cars there mm-hmm. to make that show. I mean, I, you know, there was probably 30 cars from Wisconsin, when you say, Rick. Oh, yeah, know? I'd say uh, Wisconsin and Michigan and, and uh, like Don Gregory from Ohio. Ohio, yeah. And guy, uh, Shear and those guys from Illinois. Uh, but they would, you know, they'd been running the head-to-head uh, before they came to uh, I-70. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had, you had, you know, had Trickle and Raffner and Joe Rutman and... Uh, a lot of those guys at that particular, the first one I didn't run. The first one was a 300 lapper. I was a spectator, and Joe Rutman was leading it in one of them big early Monte Carlos. He broke a transmission, and Dick Trickle took over the lead. And I went over and talked to Rutman. I didn't know him, but I went over and talked to him, and I asked him if he. And this was a big old Torino that, that Trickle was running then. I asked him if he'd ever seen run against him. He said, "I've never seen him before." Really? But he was from Michigan. Trickle was from Wisconsin, but of course they seen each other a lot after. And that was really the first time that Trickle ran out of state much. That was in '77. Uh, but but we made the race out of a qualifier. I didn't time trial didn't make it time trial, and I missed it. And they had a 25 lap, two 25 lap uh, qualifier races, and you had to win it to get in. And I led it every lap, helped my breath for 25 <laughs> laps. I never ran that fast in my life anywhere. <laughs> And I probably wouldn't have won it, but there was a guy right behind me, close enough that I could see his goggles. And it was Fritz Wilson, a guy from Denver. I thought it was Jay McIntosh. He looked like his car, and I was not going to let Jay beat me. <laughs> if I'd have known it was Fritz Wilson, I probably wouldn't have won it. But Fritz didn't make the race. Then the next day, they had a last-chance 100-lap qualifier, and he won it and then ran sixth in the race. And you said you ran I ran 12th. Ran 12th. Yeah. That's awesome. When uh, when do you when was your first year of of getting to racing on your own? Sixty five. Sixty five. What, yeah. what what do you start out racing in sixty five? Uh, they started a, a a lower division. They were on one class of late models at the fairgrounds on the short quarter mile asphalt. Sure. Then the car count fell off a little, so they started second division. And at that time, which would be street stocks now, they called them a novice division. And the rule was, it was supposed to be people that had never raced. They lacked let up on that. There were people got to racing, but I drug an old 56 Chevy that they had quit racing and changed to a 57. It was still all there except the motor. It was actually on a 51 Chevy frame, but it had a 56 body on it. <laughs> we borrowed, We had a motor. One of the guys that was racing a late model had a motor. We all had a shop down south of town, three or four cars running out of it. We put that motor in. And by that time, it was June. They'd been running for about two months before I got ready to go. And when I got there, they had about 20 cars. And a lot of them were coming from the airport speedway. Mm-hmm. That was a dirt track over now. They're still there. Yeah. And uh, I had to start in the back of the first heat. They ran on points. I just stayed in the middle of the track. And I had hot-lapped my brother's car. But I had never raced competitive, but I'd hot-lapped it. So I knew how to get around the track. And I just stayed in the middle of the racetrack, and they was running off the end, spinning out. And the first thing you know, I won it. I won the heat race. Well, of course, they put all the cars in the feature. 20 cars, 18 or 20 cars. I had to start in the back of it. Same deal. I just stayed in the middle of the track. 
Same deal, people spinning out, running into each other. <laughs> My brother was standing on the infield. They'd let you do that then and give you the sign, you know, yeah. how far you ahead or behind and all that. And all of a sudden, he come out there and put up two fingers. I was second, and then he pointed the car ahead of me. We went off the corner, and I just busted him in the butt, and he went off the end of the track, and I won it. <laughs> you won your first first, first two. First. I won $37.50. No kidding. That's awesome. I was going to ask you, when when was your first win? And yeah, that was it. And easy. then the next night, the guy had another car, and they was having a big race in St. Louis at Valley Park. He said, why don't you just go drive my car? I run the next night on dirt, on a quarter-mile dirt track on Saturday night. <laughs> Back whenever uh, you guys traveled back in the day, was did you just find out about races from newspapers, or was there promoters out and about giving out cards and stuff well, for their events? My dad was a race fan, and we went to the races when I was a teenager. We actually lived just right outside of Lebanon until we moved to Springfield when I was about twelve. And uh, but we went to the races at the fairgrounds, midget races, in forty-six, seven, eight, long in there, mm -hmm. and then we moved up here in forty-eight. And of course, they were running cars at McCracken Field back then then they moved and come to Springfield run on the fairgrounds and that's where my brother started and that's where I started really? I heard about McCracken Field you never got to race there no no I've heard no. just bits and pieces about it but you yeah. went there to watch it yeah kid, I did though. yeah I watched some races where there. about was was that at? it's out in about you know where Sam's is yep out there on and it's, it was on Blackman Road okay about right out in there that's cool there's a lot of stuff that we had back back when that's gone now that, yeah that you've participated at and raced yeah. at yeah what's uh of all the tracks that are missing at the moment what would be or i guess any track in general but what would be your favorite track that you've that you've raced at over well, the years i liked running at i-70 uh of course i i run at, when they paid baller in lebanon i ran those two tracks all the time mm -hmm. <clears throat> they were both good tracks now as far as dirt tracks i like monette it was a good track. I mm -hmm. raced there a lot. Uh, I raced in, well, I've raced all over the country. You know, I've run on a dirt track in Shreveport, Louisiana, when it was a half mile. And then they paved it, and I ran on it when it was paved. It was at the fairgrounds. I ran there two, three times, I guess. Mm -hmm. I ran there, uh, <coughs> I ran there in 65, and then I ran there again in the early 70s after they paved it. Uh, they had they would race two weekends. We would we would when we drove down both weekends and come back. You know they was at the state fair, Louisiana State Fair, run there. And then the first year I had a modified in uh, what year was it? Eighty eighty four. Eighty five. Eighty five. Eighty five. I, I guess. think Ronnie said eighty five. Eighty five. I guess. I was eighty five and uh, Gary Bass. I hadn't raced for a year or so, and Gary Bass was building and we were going to do the dealer for him. And, and Rex Merritt was going to work for him, and he called me, and I had they had a meeting that they're going to start this modified deal at Springfield. I actually run them at the airport. So I, was, he said, "Would you be interested in running one?" I said, "Yeah, I would." And they were open wheel front, you know. We know what they are. You run them. Yeah. But, uh, we we built that car that winter, and I heard they were having a series in Florida. And we took off and went to Florida, and we were down there for two weeks and ran 10 times in two weeks in Florida in 85. So I ran about six or seven different tracks down there. 
That was your first time driving a modified. You guys just went straight to Florida. First time I drove one was at little, the little track at Talladega. Stopped on the way down. <laughs> yep, Riley. I was... run over everybody who was in front of me. Because <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have clutch. We didn't have a clutch in them. They were direct drive. Yeah. And you you started them in gear back then. Mm-hmm. And I had never drove one. We took the green flag and I, and some of those guys were from up around Kansas City. They'd been running them. And I run over half a dozen cars on the first <laughs> lap, you know. Bent two a two ball joints from every yeah. place. <laughs> and I ran in at Lake City. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. We was everywhere, but we got went to a pavement track, Sunshine Speedway. I forget St. Petersburg, I think. Well, as soon as I got on that pavement, I could figure out what the car was doing, and I could get it set in and work it set for run on dirt. You know. Riley said when you guys went to the Talladega dirt track that you guys changed gears and went to the asphalt track the next day. Oh, yeah. That's in the yeah. same car. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's wild. All we would do change tire. Lots of times we would, uh, if we was running the same size track, we wouldn't change gears. We just change tires. Really? Mm-hmm. Just go. Yeah. That's the, Back on then, the, and the, the IMCA cars, you didn't even change tires. That was an no, IMCA yeah, tire. Right, yeah, we didn't even change tires. You ran that dirt or it, asphalt. IMCA was just kind of together, dirt or asphalt. There was one yeah. section yeah. back then. yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it wasn't a separate. Yeah, we had a national at the Interstate Raceway, which was the name for the now Springfield Raceway. We had a national event, IMCA event, on Friday night, I believe, or Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night. And then Sunday afternoon, we ran the same cars on the half-mile asphalt at the fairgrounds. At the fairgrounds. So yeah. it was a matter of changing gears. In my case, we changed transmissions. Really? And uh, And... And we had uh, that national event. That was when uh, Terry Phillips had just got started. Yep, first time, and, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we had been uh, we had made a big swing up through. Uh, we raced Wednesday night at I seventy, and Thursday night in Fairmont, Minnesota, and then Friday night we were in Grove Creek, South Dakota, <laughs> and then in. Uh, we were running at Watertown one night. Or, or Watertown, the Grove Creek was. Minnesota. Minnesota, Watertown, South Dakota. Yeah. yeah. And I raced the next day, at uh, Sunday, at Des Moines. Des Moines. But we got tore up pretty bad that... Uh, at Grave this, Cru- Grove Creek. Yeah, Saturday night. Got, well, he got uh, the national champion run over us, and uh, we had these big old pipes on that D1 car, and he went out the side, and he hit it, and he just stood it straight up. It looked like a <laughs> tractor puller or something. and But it pinched all the tubes shut. Yeah. So when they'd have a, have a yellow... Well, it wouldn't get it going. He'd have to get her wound up, you know, and and uh, get it going. And I don't know. We'd probably run fourth or fifth or something like that in that race. At uh, but uh, we had trouble with the axle. We had a, a floater rear end, and uh, we'd stripped the drive plate. Mm-hmm. So when we got down here to Springfield, we we would. I won't explain how we jerry rigged it to race, <laughs> but it failed us at Springfield. There that. And so Dale asked Larry Phillips if he had a drive plate and explained it. And Larry said, well, that drive plate, that's an antique. It was an old Holman Moody, which was one of the very first uh, manufacturers of racing parts in NASCAR. He says, "Uh, well, how long is that axle? Well, 35, whatever it was. He says, Terry Jean, pull that left rear axle out of your car, that drive plate, and give it to Dale. He said, well, I was going to race tomorrow. He said... You don't need to race on that half mile. Give it to Dale. He needs to race. <laughs> so Terry goes out there and takes his car apart, and he was able to race. I was driving Greg Dishman's car, 
at that time. But yeah, we I didn't run so great on the dirt with that car, but we run uh, pretty good on the asphalt with it. But uh, it was we designed it to run on dirt, and it didn't really it did, it worked. <laughs> It, I don't know what it was. We got too much rear percentage in yeah. the, built in the car, and it'd run about eight laps, and it'd start getting loose. And on asphalt, it was just as bad as it was on dirt. And uh, But I could slow down a little bit on asphalt, let it cool off and go back, you know. But uh, in, those, uh, in those IMCA days, you say, how did we find out about races? Mm-hmm. You know, how did we know? Well, those, <clears throat> they had the... Uh, publications, the Hawkeye News out of Iowa, and there's another paper called National Speed Sport News, mm-hmm. and that was our that was our internet, our information, and so we were able to, uh, you know, they'd be they might have a race in there that was, uh, you know, we'd see about you know hear about it, and and you know that's kind of how you made your plans yeah. on where to go from. And also back back in those days, uh, uh, you take a track like Fayetteville or Rogers, or uh, we ran a Green Forest some, Arkansas, and ran Fayetteville quite a bit, and ran at uh, uh, Fort Smith a lot when it was paved, and then I ran it on dirt and modified, but promoters would call you. They'd call you and say, can you come make this race? And believe it or not, I know that don't happen these days, <laughs> they would pay you to come sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So that'd be happening. If someone... Very few people even come by and acknowledge that they're at the racetrack anymore. So yeah. if someone were to call you and ask if you're going to come, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I got half your guys' racing adventure back in the day was the trips to and from, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Just get lost, and you just have to do it by a map. We're spoiled today. We just type it in our phone and yeah. take off and Yeah, go. we didn't have none of that. I remember what you were talking about going to West Plains one weekend. I conver- I had a school bus that I converted, um, and I still pulled a trailer. It was a big school, 54 passenger, but we took all the <laughs> seats out of it except three on each side up in front we could carry our stuff i didn't have to load and unload all the time and it's a a holiday weekend i'm pretty sure we ran at west plains come back by here changed a gear ran at holt summit which is north of jefferson city the next day they come back stayed all night in jefferson city and then ran it run it today the next day and all we had to do was change gears a couple times really just this was all dirt then all three of those was dirt was well the that track at west plains was a half mile it was north of town really it was a half mile put dirt track out there and then the whole summit was a three-eighths but we ran on the half mile at sedalia so we only changed gears I once yeah west. you had to change from a half to a three-eighths yeah. and back to a half yeah <laughs> i didn't know that west plains was at a different spot yeah where it there, is you can still see where it's at if really? you know where to look you can see the bank that's, on it that's cool in, when springfield went east west back in the day didn't it didn't go north south they changed configurations on it at some no point. it's always been it's that always way. been yeah but it was near, not near as big as it is now okay because i've kind of heard and they have near the bank on it that yeah. they've got now i remember since late 90s it was way flatter than it is now it's, yeah it's built up quite a bit yeah, yeah. we ran it when lance mcnally had it yeah it was a just barely over a quarter mile seems like you know we ran yeah. a, uh i don't know 583 gear maybe or uh, seems like, yeah. which, you know, that's that's a lot of guys would. Uh, we just get it geared close, right? Because we all had. I didn't have floaters. That Dale had floater, but he only had had three gears. Three gears, but most of it was still run through the transmission to get the proper gearing. Really? Yeah, and uh, so uh, if you have it, you had a four speed. Mm-hmm. See, and I had three speeds, so we had. 
you know, that's how we got the gearing with ours. And, uh, yeah, I think it's like a 390 rear end gear most of the time, you know. And well, that's why I went to Belleville, Kansas at that high bank one time. One night, I'd heard about it, but I'd never been there, never seen it. And we, uh, we took two gears with us. We ended up putting the highest gear we had in the rear end. Still was too low. And we ended up changing transmissions twice. To try to get to get it was, it was a bit that's a big old fast high, high bang yeah. track and uh, scary track if you had never been there you had to get used to it yeah, that, you said uh, i whenever you were talking about the world 400 earlier you said they clocked you guys somewhere around 115 well when we ran there in in 2000 i ran there in 99 2000 2001 mm-hmm. every week yep. and then was with two barrel cars and a rules motor, actually, there were nine to one compression motors, uh, two barrel motors. But they, I had a good, I had a ruble. I mean, I, I drove for Donnie McCarthy, and he didn't give, he didn't care what it cost. We had a motor that if you'd have had to buy every part of that new and put it together and had to do it, it'd have been a thirty thousand dollar motor anyway, a two barrel motor <laughs> that you turned about sixty eight hundred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. So Ruble's always been yeah, a two-barrel yeah. guy because he's known basically for his two-barrel stuff yeah. today. So uh, that, that motor I had would put out an honest 361 horse. Really? That was the motor to beat back? Yeah. You got- there was a lot of guys up there. Uh, we uh, The first year I ran there full-time in 2000, no, 99, ran second in the points. I think I only won one feature. Uh, they always had a hundred lap race at the end of the year, uh, special that paid like twenty five hundred to win. I think I, I ran three of them, one two of them. Really? I got lucky on some of those, uh, but uh, really got lucky on the last one. I was running third, and I wasn't going to pass either one of the two guys in front of me. But they were really battling, and one of them got into the other, and he turned him around, <coughs> and uh, he had turned another guy earlier. And, of course, we ran radios, mm-hmm. and I said on the radio, and I said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised they don't disqualify him, and they did. Well, yeah. they have given the black flag. He had to go to the pits. Put me in the lead. The guy behind me had set fast time, but I took off, and I looked in the mirror after about four laps, and he wasn't gaining 25 <laughs> laps to go. And my guy on the radio said, what are you thinking? I said, I don't think he can catch us. <laughs> uh, we won it. That's the last one I ran up there, 100 yeah. lapper. You like longer races over the yeah. twenty lap races. Yeah, yeah. You ran several hundred lap races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. always that's my favorite. The more laps, the better. Yeah, you can drive the car the whole whole time. Yeah. Well, yeah. we haven't talked much about your IMCA stock car days. Yeah. When you traveled, you know, they had Topeka and yeah, and Lincoln, Nebraska, and Des Moines, and all those places at Springfield or Sedalia, uh, the mile dirt track at Sedalia. And uh, that you know, was your that was your Torino. That's where the the Holman Moody you know super speedway type parts that that uh, Torino was built out of. Uh, that was the same stuff they ran at Daytona and everything. A big old rear axle housing with braces on it and huge hubs. They just had the bearings spaced out so they could take the force you know at Daytona. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they had they ran we ran uh, two shocks on three corners. Yeah. One, one on the left front, two shocks on the right, two on the right really? rear, and two on the left rear. What was the purpose for that? I don't know. Failure. <laughs> I think it was failure. They done that on... Uh, they were them white shocks. Well, they had... There's only two shocks. They had, it was a, uh, they had to... They run different names. Monroe and uh, 
uh, uh, Gabriel come Gabriel. out later. Them was Gabriel. Yeah, they were the white ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but they were just uh, they were just rated. They were fifty. They were all fifty fifty. They were just different resistance. Right. You know, they didn't have uh, nobody started valving them. You know, so uh, yeah, I think it was mainly in five hundred mile races they would either get hot if you only ran one. Or maybe one would fail, and I think that's you know they decided that's not going to be not going to hurt anything to have right. one extra one you know, but they figured out you know probably Bobby Allison or somebody figured out that I'm not going to carry all that extra weight around right. you know, and uh, he was one of the innovators you know of those days but but those your uh, what's the big what's the longest that you ran uh, I mean uh, a weekend or whatever on those IMCA stock cars most of them was. Uh, lot be 200 laps on yeah. the, on a half mile track. Really, almost, almost 200. Yeah, on the on the mile, that's the day we ran. We'd run 100 laps. They always ran that at the fair. Mm-hmm. I ran that several times in uh, Des Moines. We ran Cedar Rapids in Des Moines, Lincoln, Nebraska, Topeka. We always ran Topeka at the fairgrounds, the old fairgrounds. I don't know if that track's still even there or not, but we ran it several times. I ran a car for. Moss, uh, a guy named Moss had a grocery store in Monette, sponsored Ed Negree. They bought a, actually bought a NASCAR car from down south, and I drove the car they'd been running at the fairgrounds, the second car at Topeka the first time I ran one of those races, 4.9 Chevy, 64 model. But did you ever have, I mean, I know I, I get a little bit lazy when I'm driving sometimes. You guys ever fall out of the seat just... Barely no, hold yourself up, or was it just I, totally different? I've got, I've got pretty tired. Now, I never run a car with power steering till '85. I don't know if that car had power steering or not, but modified the first time I ran power steering on a car. Really? Never ran power <laughs> steering on a late model. Just for the power's sake, or just didn't have any need for we it? We just never did run it. Didn't think we had <laughs> yeah. enough power. You know, we was trying to. Well, I was telling him on. We set that car up. It had a Ford front on it. We had a strut rod, mm-hmm. and, and uh, we ran two degrees positive caster on the right. Two degrees negative on the left, four degrees split. Mm-hmm. It's easy to turn left. Yep. You know. <laughs> Can I imagine that? There's, no. There's no, there's no way. I, I want to fall out of the seat sometimes because I'm getting a little fat. But. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys make it, I mean, just looking at old pictures and stuff, you guys were really actually driving a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you'd get, uh, you'd, you had to work at it and it was. It was. They they wasn't they wasn't easy and they didn't them cars didn't handle. They didn't handle very good, you know. We <laughs> we we didn't have we we'd take a spring and a stock spring and cut it off. We didn't rate springs. We didn't know, yeah. you know, we run <laughs> leaf springs on the back. Yeah. And uh, but we got along pretty good. <laughs> just cutting cutting springs up just to see what they would yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember uh my cousin Charles Sharp, he was you know, he wasn't an engineer, but he's always coming up with ideas. And and uh, I don't remember if it was that Edsel they had or just what, but it, they said, so we put a spring in it that we had to put a, a four by four on top of the frame and up against the uh, ceiling joist and put a hydraulic jack <laughs> under it to get it compressed to get the ball joint together. <laughs> he said, so. We didn't know that here we are. It's trying to tear that ball joint apart just sitting there. <laughs> so that if you hit somebody, what happened? You tore a ball joint yeah. apart. <laughs> so, yeah, he said there when he, he quit about, what, 71? He said, damn, I wish I knew half of what I know now <laughs> when I started. 
you know, he said we were doing some of the goofiest things. We our right front spring in that car we ran at Rolla on the half mile, it was about five inches tall, and that made it the right, the proper rate, mm-hmm. you know. Probably, and, probably 1800. Yeah, I don't know, you know. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> and well, to get it loaded on the truck, we'd have to jack it up or then let the a-frame fall we had a piston that would fit between the a-frame and the frame and hold it up dragging. so it wouldn't drag going up on the up on the truck and uh i don't know you you know you think of when you think back at some of those really right now uh the, the simplest of things but nobody really knew it right you know uh, we, we bypass all of that knowledge you know you go buy a car or or somebody tells you about it, but it was a lot of experimentation. Yeah. When the parts catalogs first start coming out where you can buy stuff out of catalogs, is that a big deal for you yeah. guys, or were you still just having yeah. stuff on your own? Oh, yeah, we still uh, we made a lot of our own stuff. You know, we would make uh, uh, tie rods. We'd make them the right length, and on that, you know, on our, our control arm, we, we fixed everything where everything lined up. The strut rod, if you could run a straight rod through the strut rod back through the lower a-frame hole <coughs> that way you're you kind of corrected your bump steer somewhat mm-hmm. you know you didn't have it we didn't have bump steer gauges although we would jack them up and set a couple of cans up here and you know kind of rig it you know somehow yeah. you know but make uh, sure we wasn't too far off yeah. how did you, you come know. across the bump steer thing was it traveling guys come in you get to looking at well you've seen that in books you heard about it you know and and you'd hear, you take Dave Watson, Dick Trickle would be talking, and, and Trickle said, Ah, oh, I've seen him set his front end at I 70 to stand up against it. And he had a, the, the top A frame was a slider type. And he'd just bump that thing with his knee, and he said, Oh, that's about right. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't use a gauge, you know. Like Wayne Graybill still does that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll look at the upper ball joint and he'll yeah. determine if that's good. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. when you've looked at it long enough, I'm sure you know what right. it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure That's the way I did. You know, yeah. I just looked down over it, and you know, you know, you know. Yeah. What? Uh, there's a question came up. Uh, it's been a couple times ago now, and then it got brought up again this week. You've raced your fair share of dirt and asphalt, and I don't, I don't know. I've never done the asphalt side of things. What in your mind makes one better than the other? Because that's a, a big argument. If people race one side of the fence, then they don't like the other. Well, what I've always said about the, the now, like back in the day, we ran them both, and we ran the same car. Now, you can't do that now mm-hmm. with the modern deals, with the four-link stuff and all that. You can't do that. But here's what I've always said about it. I like them both and run them both, and I like to watch them both. I know a lot of people think asphalt's boring to do or watch. I've never understood this. It seems to me like a lot of, not all, but a lot of dirt people, they hate asphalt. They just, and they'll talk bad about it. They mm-hmm. just hate it. And they don't like anybody that likes it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I've never been that way about dirt because I like to watch it, and then I like to do it when I did. Mm-hmm. And I've always said this, a bad dirt race can still be pretty good to watch. A bad asphalt race is bad to watch. They're not much fun to watch. But a good asphalt race. Now, if you go to the Snowball Derby, something like that, anybody that thinks they're not seeing something fun, they ought to go watch that. Right. You know, because they'll have the top asphalt guys there every year. It's been run for, I don't know, 50, 60 years. A long time. Uh, you know, every year, and first weekend in December. And anybody that's got an asphalt car that can run a lick will be there. 
and uh, they, now they have two things. They have a, what they call a snowflake on Saturday night. It's a 100-lap race. That's a crate motor. And then they have an open motor race, which is a snowball on Sunday, 300 laps. Mm-hmm. You see a race, you know. So if, uh, if someone were to ask you why, what makes you enjoy a good asphalt race, what would that be? Because I was, my only explanation I could come up with is kind of the strategy standpoint of, of spending your laps wisely and setting somebody up to pass them. I, I've always felt this way. A lot of people, I think a lot of people, Earl, my Earl Muhlenbergen was a little older than me, but we raced a lot together. He wasn't much older, a little bit. And he, did, he, he didn't like asphalt because he, he just simply said, I just don't feel comfortable on it. Uh, I never did feel that way about dirt. I felt comfortable. But I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, no matter how good or how bad they are, they feel like they've got a better chance to win on dirt because mm-hmm. they think people will screw more chances for people to screw up, you know. Uh, anymore, they have these cars set up good, particularly even street stocks on asphalt. They handle pretty good. And you've got to be... They're not spinning out all the time. But another thing that's maybe a little bit against asphalt, like like if you're in Lebanon where they got, well, you got a wall on the front stretch. You don't have a wall around part of the track. But most tracks have walls all the way around. Well, if you hit something on an asphalt track, you tear stuff up. First place, you're going faster. It don't make any difference. They can talk all they want to about how fast the dirt cars run. The way that first dirt racing today is not like it used to be. We used to go to Bolivar to race at the Bolivar racetrack when it was a good dirt racetrack. But when we went out, you went out to iron the track, you was cutting down four inches in the mud. <laughs> You'd have so much mud in the front disc, the wheels would stop turning. That's not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I watched a race on TV the other night at Gaffney, South Carolina. A lot of the top late model, dirt late model there, Davenport won it. But that track, there was no difference in that track and an asphalt track. Except one thing, it's just slicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just as hard. It's just as black. It's just as hard as an asphalt, but it's slicker because it. I told Rick, I said I've got the answer to this asphalt racing. <coughs> Need to figure out some compound you can put on an asphalt track and make the cars run around the turns on sideways like they do on dirt. <laughs> that's what people want to see. Yeah. But that's that track was just as hard as asphalt and uh, it's just dirtier. That's all yeah. and slick. You know, black it could just as black as an as blacker than most asphalt tracks. Oh yeah, yeah, right. The old asphalt tracks, the 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 uh, the tar, the asphalt part deteriorates, and you're left with a white chat chat. You mm-hmm. know, limestone. Well, they look white. You know, and then if they're if they've still got a little bit there that that uh, can create a, a black groove, they will. But like he, he mentioned, a snowball derby and and a. Uh, a lot of old tracks, it don't do nothing but wear the tires out. It mm-hmm. never builds any groove. Now you take I-44, that's fairly new and smooth asphalt. It'll it'll change some, and not very much, simply because tires are hard enough now that they're running. Doesn't put any rubber down. Right. Uh, I can remember. You know, it's tires is a funny thing. They're about $125 a piece. Well, when I started it, it, it going watching and about in 1970 and helping my cousin they were uh they were still about 135 dollars a piece but they was 13 and a half inches wide yeah and they was good years for fire stones hoosiers hadn't really got started yet on the on the asphalt part of it and uh 
we had a, a meeting up here at the fairgrounds about is going to put in a rules tire. You know, there's only going to be a hundred dollars piece. They'll last longer for you guys. You know, and you're really going. One of the owners says, "I'm not putting my race car out there on four hundred dollars worth of tires." Well, that's we're still talking back in the seventies, and uh, so here we are now. Everybody complains about tires being a hundred and twenty dollars a piece. <laughs> you know, and they're still the cheapest yeah. thing in, by comparison uh, to anything yeah. else. So. Uh, yeah, shock absorbers, pull a brand new shock absorber out of the box is about, uh, I don't know, $59. Yeah. And Put it on the car. Buy an oil shock today, it's $70. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <clears throat> to me, the what they've done with the uh, four links on dirt and the shock absorbers, that's those two together. They got they got to go together, mm-hmm. are the single biggest problem in my mind. Oh, I agree. The, with, with the racing. And in just about any class, the shocks is the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they figured out every yeah the street stock guys. They've they've developed shocks for them to jack them up and make them go like. And uh, if you look at it, uh, what, I think what it does it gives you traction. Uh, you know, at, at certain times or the proper time, I guess you need it to get off the turn. But they still lap times aren't that much faster now than they was a long time ago. Right. You know, they're just not. And um, they go down the straightaway faster. Yeah. <laughs> but and you still just go around the corner so fast, right. you know. Yeah. If there's anything anything from right now to back when you raced that you could change to put back, what would it be? I mean, other other than shocks, I mean Well, I've only I've only been to one of this uh deal that Daryl Mooneyham and Dustin and I guess Wells started. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best thing for local racers around for late models. That's one of the best things because you that lets a guy that, that works for a living that's got a good job. He's still going to have to have a pretty good job, but <laughs> but it, it allows him to compete. Uh, you know, I've heard some wild stories on it, like these, uh, the traveling, like the Lucas series. And those big specials they have, the shock package I've heard cost can cost as high as ten grand for six shot or five shocks, you know. And then you got to have a spare. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous, you know. I mean, now I know they run for a lot of money, but most of these tracks, if you're running for, well, say you're running for a thousand to win, and and drops off to seven for second and down to five for third, you need to be running hundred dollar shocks. And hundred dollar tires that that last a long time, and that seems to me like that's what they've tried to do, mm-hmm. just from what I've read about it and heard about. Yeah, it. yeah, their shocks are, are real cheap, and the tires are. are they say hard, they last hard forever, as a brick and they last a long time. Yeah. So, we uh, when I came down here, I just got looking around. Like I said, I really don't know. We kind of skipped over a little bit here. We just got taken off talking, yeah. but the Roper family around here is synonymous with any kind of winning everything. So. I'll just let you take off however you want to start it with, with everyone around here that races. Start with yourself all the way to present day because, uh, I mean, we're here to learn. Well, so my, <laughs> my brother started in 1959. He was just 20 when he started. I didn't start running until I was 28. And then I raced for, I raced from 1965 to into the 2000, and in four decades, five decades. So <laughs> that's how much I raced. And my son raced, Tony raced, uh, Dean's boy. Dean ran 
Dean ran, uh, he traveled more than I did. And I traveled a lot. I figured up one time, I think I've ran in 18 states, 18 different states. Have no idea how, I never counted up the tracks. But I know I've ran at least probably 10 or 11 different tracks in Florida <laughs> alone. But uh, I don't know how, how many different, and how, in Missouri probably have any idea how many different tracks I've run in Missouri even. But I've run a lot in Oklahoma and Arkansas. Iowa, Illinois, never run much. I've run a little in Indiana, not much. Uh, never Kansas. Can, run a lot in Kansas, you know. Uh, Dean ran, uh, he started running USAC, which went into ARCA racing, and he won three USAC national championships in a row, 82, 83, and 84. I went with him when we ran Daytona <coughs> in 1983 or four. And he ran 13th in the Daytona 500. Yeah. Barely made the race. That back in that time, now they don't do it now, but back then they'd have 80 cars show up try to make the 500. Hmm. And he he made it. He made it. He finished 16th in a qualifying race, which put him in. And then he ended up running 13th. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, I don't know if it was that time or not, but one time, that's back when Walter Earnhardt, Cale Yarborough was the hot dogs. Uh, they had, uh, he got in a seven-car draft down the front straightaway. I had the radio. He got in a seven-car draft, about the third car. And they come over the loudspeaker. They've just, that seven-car train went by 200 mile an hour, which they just started running 200. And so I told him on the radio, he said, well, I'm just running about half throttle. <laughs> Because he was the third or fourth car in the draft. Yeah. But uh, we ran down there. I went with him several. He ran Talladega several times. I uh, ran Michigan in NASCAR. Uh, but mostly he ran ARCA. He he ran, uh, towards his career, he won s seven, uh, seven races in Springfield, Illinois on the mile dirt. For a long time, he had the record the most there of anybody including A.J. Foyt and all the rest. The guy now has tied him. Frank Kimmel tied him. But uh, Tony ran. He started running out of my shop in 1986. He ran a model. He bought a modified. And he ran it. And, then he, and when he got Dean built his shop, his dad, he started running a late model. And then he ran ASA. And then he moved down south and ran a truck. That's how he lost his life in a truck in Texas in uh, 2000 and then Dean lost his life he did, he had a physical problem but he was in the race car at Springfield Illinois uh, so their lives were Tony's was real short he was just 34 I think uh, but Rick started helping me right out of high school mm -hmm. uh, and then Rick raced himself in fact Rick won this at Baldwin Lebanon won the track championship both of them one year and I think I run second or third he won both track championships, so he's raced too, but he's went with me a lot. We've run all over the, you know, but we'd raced in the 70s. We'd race Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and right in the middle of the summer, we'd race Tuesday night in Joplin. Really? At that old Ozark Speedway. That we was 74, I think. Yeah. Uh, we, we got about 80 races in that year. But yeah, Daryl Mooneyham and Kenny Estry and maybe Roger Chisholm, they had tracks they'd go to in Arkansas that ran other times that we didn't. And they, they run about 100 races, those three guys. Really? Uh, and, uh, but if those, in those days, you'd win enough 
on Sunday night, to yeah. pay your expenses to go yeah. Tuesday night. You, you, could, you, could, Tuesday, you could actually you know? win enough to keep racing. Yeah. I, whatever, the first year I had the modified, I ran 68 shows, and I think Rex ran 72. He ran four more than I did because he went on a trip, him and Bass, and Michael Walter drove one of their cars down in Kentucky or Tennessee somewhere. He, four, he ran four more races that year, I think, than I did. But we was running, I was running the D1, he was running the D2. What did you do for work in between racing? <coughs> I was a I, I was a contract school bus driver. I had school buses that I owned. Mm -hmm. Didn't drive for the school I owned. I, I had one for a long time. I ended up in it. I had two for quite a few years. Hired drivers. I was a substitute rural mail carrier up until uh, 1981 or 82, and then I was got the job, and that was my job then until I retired. Retired in '98. Uh, I've been retired almost as long as I worked. <laughs> Didn't ever figure I'd ever live this long. Shouldn't have. <laughs> but, you know, way we've run up and down the road, somebody, I went to a funeral visitation Monday in St. Louis. And somebody said, well, how old are you? And I said, well, if I make it till September, I'll be uh, 83. Really? And he said, how in the world? You still smoke cigarettes? And I said, yeah, I've smoked since I was 14. <laughs> if they weren't going to kill me by now, they never are. You know? <laughs> so, well, if you back up a little bit on... Uh, we kind of skipped over Pee Wee and his yeah, race. And yeah, he Pee started Wee. in 79, wasn't yeah. it? That Chevelle right there at fit, number 54 yeah. Yeah. Street. They were, what you call Roadrunners. Roadrunners. And uh, they're not fairgrounds. That was one of the cars that we built right out here. That car's got door handles and door locks. And oh, yeah, it's a driving yeah. car. <laughs> we just stripped it out and put a cage in it. Uh, it was a 60, 68 Chevelle, I think. Yeah, I think. Or 69. And, uh, uh, it, and he started running it, and then I think it was one of those deals that was uh, in two months, it was seven guys from Fairgrove running that class. Yeah. It was his classmates mm -hmm. and stuff. They all said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And they go by, there'd still be Chevelles sitting around in people's, in 79, there were still Chevelles sitting in people's yards, their backyard. And uh, hell, one kid, he took his folks, his folks bought this 69 uh, Cougar, and he, that was his high school car. He put a roll cage in it. <laughs> I fitted it for him. He took it to work, welded his work, welded it up, and uh, he won first night out in it and was was a super stud <laughs> there for a while, you know. Uh, Pee Wee ran just that a couple years right in there. He ran the late model a little bit, and then he took a hiatus. Yeah. Then when he cut, when Tony died, some guys said we want to run a tribute car to Tony, and so they had a blue. Uh, Malibu or whatever it was and uh, they put number 10 on it took it to Dallas County Speedway he started winning I mean race after race well they ended up calling the car the flying feces because <laughs> it was a real turd <laughs> and he ran that car until they I don't know two, two or three years well then we had this Camaro that we had built to run an enduro on asphalt up at I-44, and it belonged to Donnie McCarthy, so we got that car from Donnie. It's that that number ten Camaro on the wall there. That all those pictures of the same car mm -hmm. started out with a stock body on it. We went ahead and put the rest of the bars in it. It just had a main cage in it. He won ten championships with that car between Dallas County and uh, uh, Bolivar. And Lebanon, Lebanon. Uh, I don't think he won one Springfield. We won races in Springfield, 
with it. I won a one championship in it when he was driving a late model, and he won some late model races. Uh, and then his his back got bad enough that he just couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get in and out of the car. Yeah, it, he's had a, it had an injury and uh, from years past, and it just was made him miserable. He said, "I feel good sitting in the car," but he said, "It just kills me climbing in and out." And so, so anyway, uh, yeah, the, most of these trophies in there is his. These newer ones, you yeah, know, yeah. and uh, so his his win total is pretty high. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and he's he's really I've uh, he's pretty smooth. He may have not been the most knowledgeable guy about what was wrong with the car and that kind of stuff, but if he'd hook up and go, that's what he'd do. I think that'd know? almost be a benefit. Well, yeah, <laughs> might, might not be. Yeah. Well, that, that was kind yeah. of the way Dean was, my brother. Now, he didn't know a lot of. Uh, about about a car, uh, but he could tell you if it wasn't working. But he couldn't tell you how to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. But he could tell you what it wasn't doing. But he didn't know what to do to fix it. But if he had somebody who knew how to fix it, he could drive it fast. Yeah. Yep. If you got a one person in, but I mean one person in particular you raced with that you thought was the man, the living legend growing up oh. that you got to race against personally. Because I know I've got a couple people. Well, I ran I ran with Larry quite a bit, you know, and I never did. Uh, I never beat him, but I ran with him. He was the best I ever ran with. Uh, I ran on a track with uh, with a lot of these guys from Wisconsin a few times, Trickle and uh, Joe Shear. But Larry was, uh, and Goldsberry was good in his day. And there was a two or three years on the dirt when the half mile was dirt in, in Springfield. There was kind of an abnormality. There's some guys brought an old Buick out of Fort Scott, Kansas, that Lester Freeby drove, and nobody ever figured out how he could win it, but he won a lot of races <laughs> in it. <laughs> he never did let it run down. He just run it wide open all the way around, you know, <laughs> about sideways. Yeah. And uh, But that was about a two-year period, you know. Yeah. But Larry probably was, uh, and I got to be, well, uh, with the last 10, well, no more, no more than that, probably the last 15 years of Phillips' life, I got to be pretty good friends and, uh, he had me drive. I drove his backup car for him a few times at Lebanon and Bolivar. <coughs> and he uh, he owned the the car that I won uh, track championship in '91. He number owned two it. car up that there. Number on the two. Wall. He actually owned it. That's cool. I owned the motor and uh, drivetrain. He owned the car, but I drove it just like it's mine. Before anybody knew it was mine, yeah. but he actually owned it. Yeah. So as and, far as the stories go, he wasn't as mean as people say he was to you. He couldn't. Now, he wasn't to me. Now we we had a little run in Sedalia one time. Uh, well, I always said that, that was really the turning point. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think you said you stood up to him. Yeah. And you guys were friends from then on. Yeah. He. Uh, we was running on a half mile Sedalia, and uh, there was uh, Joe Wallace and. Uh, might have been Ferris Collier. Ferris Collier, Kenny Esri. Larry. And Larry. It was five of them running nose to tail. And then me and... and we were six. And then me and uh, the guy from... Oh. Th- not Thrasher, maybe. Yeah, I, I know. There was a space. Me and another guy himself. was running right together. Yeah. And, that, and them guys was barely battling. And somebody turned Larry, got him around. Uh, with, Joe Wallace. <laughs> with about 10 laps to go. And it was a day race. The track was slick. Well, and of course, Larry had to go tailback, and I knew he was mad, you know. And I, could, I had a mirror. We didn't have radios, but I had a mirror. And I seen him coming when we took the green down the front straightaway, coming on the outside, you know. 
<coughs> well, I got right down against it. had a wood rail, wooden rail on the inside. I got right down against it. I knew he was coming. Well, he got he got into me all coming off the corner. Tried to spin me. So he'd get another yell. He, he didn't spin you. You did a one uh, three sixty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I kept I kept going. He didn't end up, but I, but I when we got off the track, I went down and told him about it. And I said, he said, Would you see what they done to me? And I said, I don't care what they did. <laughs> I didn't do it to you, you know. Yeah. And uh, from then on, you know, uh, he he needed to yell, <laughs> and he was going to get it with me, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, that to me, because you know we had raced with him a long time, you know, and we, we you know, like I say, you knew how he, how he was. Yeah. I saw him do this one other time. He he got out on the apron on the asphalt and pulled Daryl Mooneyham out, spun him out yeah. to get a yellow because yeah. Rusty Wallace was gotten away from him or whatever, and uh, you know and that that really made Daryl mad. I remember that how mad he was. <laughs> but uh, you left out Mark Martin. Oh yeah, I ran with Mark. That see that can you see that red, blue and red, white and blue trophy up there? Yeah, yep, yep on well, the front up there. I yep. won that at West Plains. It'll tell you what year I forgot, but the guy that runs second that day was Mark Martin. Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's the only time I ever beat him. <laughs> see racing with Mark and Rusty and those guys and seeing them move on, that make you feel pretty good. Cause yeah, yeah. You used to have well, there's two different generations that I've raced with down there. I raced with uh Rusty and Mark and Schrader. They're all close to four or five years apart in age. And then the next generation, I raced with Jamie McMurray, Carl Edwards, and Clint Boyer. Mm -hmm. I only raced with Boyer a couple of times. The only time I ever raced with Boyer, I beat him. And I outrun Carl Edwards at Lebanon probably seven or eight times. He never did beat me, but I had a better car than he did. I had a better car. It's simply a better car. Yeah. Uh, but He's one of the best that I ever, that I ever raced with. I was going to ask you who's who's the most <coughs> raw, talented he was good. guy. He beat me twice at Moberly, but other than that, I beat him other times. We That's raced run a special at Moberly. He beat me a couple times up there. He had a better car. He had a better <laughs> car. <laughs> well, if Clint Boyer was leading the race, and uh, we come up on some lap, it's fifty lap race, about the twentieth lap, we come up on some lap cars, and, and Boyer really hadn't run that much asphalt, and he just killed and knocked him in the woods out there at Lakeside on dirt in a modified <coughs> and i knew that he hadn't run much asphalt when we caught that lap car i thought he'll hesitate so i just dove to the outside pinned him in behind the lap car and i didn't think there was any room on the bottom phil or uh, edwards went plumb to the grass so we passed boyer and the lap car and come together and if i hadn't let off i'd have turned him mm -hmm. i'd let off and i told him about it he said when you snooze, you lose. That's all there's to it. But he won, I run second, and Boyer run third. That's pretty cool. I, that's got to be something to know that you raced with those guys and you outran them and they went on the. Yeah, yeah. I, and they're, uh, Boyer's a good friend. He always always talked to him, know his dad. Uh, and, uh, of course, Carl, I went, I rode with him in his airplane to Daytona once. Mm -hmm. He called me and we. I was down there for the first weekend, and I was going to go home. And he said, well, I'll see you next weekend. I said, no, I ain't coming back. He said, well, I'm going home, too. He lived in Columbia. He didn't live down there. And so he called me on Monday. He said, I'm going to leave on Tuesday if you want to go. I said, you want, you're serious? Yeah. He said, this is going to be me. He had a jet, but it was small enough he could fly it, but he didn't have to have a co-pilot. So I went with him, went down and come back with him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you remember the uh, – uh, I think it was up at Indianapolis Raceway Park, and uh, 
uh, Mike Mittler that just passed away, that the Mittler brothers with his racing, his truck racing team, uh, he had a driver and, and Carl was going to spot for him. And uh, of course, Carl, Carl wasn't driving. He, he was driving a, a, a USAC champ car and had been running the dirt modified and stuff like that. And, you know, he was, he was doing whatever he could do to get into racing. That was, that was when he was handing out his business cards, cards yeah. you know. And uh, so he was going to, uh, Mike was going to let him spot the race. Uh, Larry Gunselman was the driver. And uh, so he gave Carl the headset and the phone, the, the radio and stuff. So then Dale showed, we went up there to watch, and we was in the infield there, and, and he said, uh, Mike saw Dale, he said, hey, would you mind spotting? He said, I got this kid over here, but he said, I'd rather have, have you spot, you know. <coughs> so he went to Carl and took the radio, and he said, gave to Dale, you know, and he said, now just go up there with him and see what to do. <laughs> so Carl goes up there, and he says, he, you know, to hear Carl tell the story now, you know, I'll tell it the way Carl tells it. <laughs> He said, I was up there, this old man, he's up there smoking cigarettes, and he wasn't ever saying anything on the radio. And he said, I punched him one time at, that something was about to happen. You know, somebody would spun out, you know. And, and he said, well, aren't you going to tell him it's a spin out? You know, and he said, oh, if he, he ain't running fast enough to hit him anyway. <laughs> you know? So he said, then he said, I, in a week or so, I get to start driving this modified down at Lebanon I-44 Speedway. He said, that old man with a cigarette outrun me. <laughs> he, he likes to tell that story. That's one of Carl's favorite stories. Is there any one guy in particular that you had more run-ins with than you'd like to have that you guys tried to tear each other's stuff up? No. Nope. Oh, yeah. Run with Rex a lot. Me, yeah. and, Rex, <laughs> me and Rex had one baller one night. I mean, it was a good one. And it, it was kind of funny, I guess, uh, uh, what was that boy that had that purple car? Uh, David Emerson. David Emerson had a modified pretty fast. Uh, and I'd worked and worked to pass him. And I got, I passed him. Rex was behind me. And Rex got down inside of me and crowded me a little. I let him have it. Then I got into him a little bit. I got back by him and then... He really got into me the next time. I mean, we run into each other both, you know. Well, if there again, we was driving these cars, didn't have a clutch. So as we come off the track, I, I, oh, I, I wrecked him. I cracked him. <laughs> I mean, I wrecked him big time. John Williams was standing there, and he could see this coming. You, remember, you know who John Williams was? That's, I think I was talking last week about a guy. We got a picture on our wall. That was Dave, Dave Williams. He had a son, Dave and Dan I, and uh, Daryl. Daryl. I think my dad's got a picture of him smoking on the backstretch at Old Springfield. Yeah, well, I'm anyway, pretty sure that's who I was talking John about. John said, boys, watch this, watch this. The two dirt works house cars are going to run together. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, we, we ran together, but my car died right in right after I got off the track and I was right there with, with Rex and G Penny and Penny was just giving me what for finally I think Rex said Penny that ain't got nothing to do with you well we run the next night at Lebanon and that's when that's dirt yeah Lebanon was dirt and uh, Rex walked up and I said uh, well Rex I guess uh, we're just going to keep running into each other or what and Rex said well we probably better not. And I said, well, we just soon not. I don't want to run out of money, and I'm sure you don't want to run out. So, <laughs> so 
Well, that, we never had another run in. We had that one, though, a good one. And we <laughs> both was driving house cars. I'm going to have to ask Rex his side of it whenever. <laughs> well, we run into each other pretty good, big, big. What's a, your, before we get to Rex, what's your favorite story of Rex? Because I'm, I'm sure there's going to be hard to pick one specific instance that Rex did something that overshadows Rex, Rex got Rex got pretty aggravated with me at Bolivar one. This was on pavement in a modified. Uh, and luckily, somebody had a picture of this. He thought I got into him and turned him. I was outside. It wasn't me. Is another car got in there, and I don't remember who it was. But we all stopped down there at that place where they run go-karts. You know, there on 13. Oh, at Snow oh, Bluff. Snow Bluff. Bluff. Yeah. Yeah. On the way from the racetrack. <laughs> and Rex was really pretty, pretty aggravated. And I said, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, no, I didn't. That's somebody else got in there. And it was somebody else. It wasn't me. But <laughs> other than that, and we raced. Oh, we raced against each other a lot. Well, I think I think Rex called Gary Bass. That's who the Dirtworks guy was in the next morning early on Saturday morning because this was Friday night at Bolivar. And was going to explain to him what happened. And Gary said, I don't want to hear it, Rex. Uh, I've known Dale a long time, and I ain't going to take sides in either one, but I, yeah, I, it's hard for me to believe he, he caused anything, and so let's just don't talk about it. <laughs> I think now that's a story I heard. Yeah. Rex may have it different. Yeah. But. <laughs> My favorite, and yeah, that race was Rex a lot too. And this, is, this was an, an on-the-track deal. Uh, we took, uh, Gary had that, he had a big old trailer. We hauled two race cars inside it. And so, uh, we, it was, matter of fact, it was that orange uh, modified that you, you mentioned earlier that uh, Waltrip drove. Yeah. Uh, and we, we went, uh, we left, we raced at Lebanon, I guess. It we raced a, at Lafayette first. It was 4th of July weekend. And Henry, we went to, Henry Speedway. Yeah, we went, to, we went to Indiana on this 4th of July weekend. And we ended up over at a little track, a neat little track. Uh, Newcastle, Indiana. Yeah, Newcastle. It's got a it looks like it's they laid it out on an old baseball diamond or something. Yeah. You run down like you're going to home plate, got a real sharp turn, <laughs> and it's big sweeping out here, and there's trees hanging over the back stretch, really Americana-looking stuff. Well, anyway, I can't remember. Rex's car wasn't handling very good, and he just wallered it around, and I don't know. He probably, I don't think he run the top 10, <laughs> you know. And he come in, and uh, me and Gary, it was a 100-lap race, and we were the only pit guys. You know, we had two cars on the track and us two. So we didn't worry about anything. We were drinking Coronas on top of the truck. <laughs> well, you had to take that. It was a bumper hitch trailer, so you had to run the electric jack. You had to run it down and get that trailer raised up so the car would go in. Mm -hmm. Well, Rex was so bad, he come driving around there and drove in, and the oil pan caught, and it throwed him. He already had his helmet off and everything. It throwed his head into the steering wheel, <laughs> and it backed like that and he sat down there seeing the stars well me and gary was on top of the truck drinking beer and about knocked us off the truck <laughs> <laughs> that was and he had a hell of a headache i know that it, it hurt him and uh of course cut a hold of the old pan you know <laughs> made a hell of a mess and of course that you know gary he's well that wrecks another wrecks deal you know <laughs> we used to have to uh uh, we'd run alcohol on them cars to start with, and you didn't have good carburetors, and you had to prime them with gas to get them started. <laughs> we was at Lebanon one time, and this is a, I, I may have been a night race, but it's still daytime, and all of a sudden, about four cars down here was a big flame, you know. <laughs> Gary said, well, must be wrecks down there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it backfired <laughs> through the carburetor, got that can of gas on fire, and he threw it over beside somebody's new pickup. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It was a, you know, quite a little deal before they got put out. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I, those guys that... Uh, we were racing, I think it was in Crawford County, one night, and that's in Arkansas, down by Van Buren. Yeah, we just went there last October. Well, anyway, Rex yeah. had a bad wreck, and I'm not, did he break his back? Yeah, hurt it hurt back. it. It hurt his back. He stayed in the hospital, and we brought his car home, I know, but yeah. I think he yeah. had to stay in the hospital. Hurt yeah. his back, I think. He probably cracked it, it seems like. I, but yeah, it took a while for him to, he walked around pretty stiff for quite a while. Yeah, that was probably in 86 or 7, you know. Well, you know, funny thing, uh, we're talking about when Rex started and stuff, he's raced quite a while. He started the same year Pee Wee did. Same deal. Yeah, running a road runner. Mm-hmm. And uh, so about 79 is when he started. Yeah. And well, he always he I think he raced some motorcycles maybe and maybe stuff. drag raced a little yeah, and drag race you know always wanted to, always wanted to stock car you know and so they old Gene Snyder he said he keep bugging me about wanting to drive my car and I said well what Rex just build you a car you know and I and guess, he worked out there for Elliot yeah he worked at Salvage Yard so he was able to get a Chevelle together mm-hmm. you know and uh, oh he drove the heck out of it and uh, he won some races and. Uh, but when he got, uh, uh, when he moved, what did he move from? Oh, he got, a, I know what happened. I had, I built a car for my, my brother-in-law, Phil McCurry, and, and we was beating Rex all the time on the half mile asphalt. And, uh, it, he had engine trouble, uh, Phil did and got mad and, and priced the car to Rex and he just bought it and, uh, and put his motor over in it. Well, then he became Mr. Street Stock. He won every street stock big race there was with that car. It just handled like a rope out there on that track. It was round. And uh, so he he was a you know street stock star there for, I don't know, two or three years probably. Yeah, yeah he... Yeah, that was... Before the Modifieds, you know. <coughs> but he, uh, he ran Modifieds with us uh, in, uh, I don't know, 95, 91. He had a... I think he had a car, maybe Gene Snyder might have had it, might have owned part of it or owned a motor or something. Uh, we ran, we ran all, he ran all the races in at Baldwin and Lebanon on asphalt. Yeah. It's right after that, probably about 94 or 5, he went back just running dirt mostly. I think he said something about he crashed enough on asphalt that he'd had enough. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's about knocked his brains loose, is what he said. Yeah, you can tear stuff up. Yeah. 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 Said he had too many good ones. That's why he slowed back down. Yeah, <laughs> go back to dirt racing again. Yeah. There's yeah. a a guy on Facebook asked, and I thought it was a pretty good question because you've come from a little bit of a a rougher crowd back in the day. People that weren't afraid to s- settle their differences yeah. immediately. And Josh Franklin asked, um, "What do you think of today's generation of racers? Do you think uh, we're a lot softer, or do you?" Th- What's well, your honest opinion they've got of today's it, racing? They've got it easier because they've, uh, anybody that's got good cars, they just buy the parts and put them on. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to make anything. I don't know if they're softer or not. They're, uh, they're, a lot of them are better. See, like I, like I said, I was 28 years old when I started. They've got kids starting now for 12 and 13, 14. How, mm-hmm. how old is that boy at Willard? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Cornell. Cornell. Cornell's just graduated high school <laughs> two days ago, so he's 18. Yeah, well, I seen him run a race a year. I don't know if his last year, year four at at uh, Springfield. He looked like a superstar, mm-hmm. you know. And he couldn't have been. He's 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. 
Well, I was going watching races then, but I had no idea I was ever going to race. You right. know. So he'll be ready to retire when I started, <laughs> age-wise, you yeah. know. I think yeah. they get burned out, probably. I mean, it's so hard. Uh, Mark Martin started out when he was 14 or yep. 15, yep. you know, and went really a long time. There's exceptions, you know. Uh, well, no, there was a guy racing around here, and I asked somebody the other day, Whatever happened to him, I not heard nothing. He kind of run with Terry. He moved here from Phoenix. Oh, was, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Payne. Payne yeah. Yeah. He, he just fell out of the... You don't hear nothing. Yeah, I think... I want to say he just kind of had enough. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he's... He wasn't that old. No, he's... Man, he's probably mid-30s. He was oldest. real young. See, how come him and Terry got hooked up was down at uh, that one of them big paying races at Batesville. Yeah. And yeah, because he was racing the Bad Boy Mowers car at the time, and then not shortly after, Terry and Jeremy got hooked up. Yeah, he was driving a Larry Shaw car at that time, and, and got settled in with, yeah. with Terry. But all of a sudden, you just didn't. And yeah. I don't know about this kid from West Plains, just Logan Martin. How old he is? Uh, Logan's twenty-two or three. He's a little bit younger than I am. He's but he's pretty good. Pretty good people. Yeah, pretty good driver. I just I don't. But but I they're would, just they're just. Uh, the car's got to be easier to drive because right. they're, they're set up better. You know, they've got better parts. And like I say, I never drove a car with power steering until I started driving modifieds. Mm -hmm. You probably never drove a car without power steering. No, well, on an accident. Yeah. 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 When you lost the belt. I'd say on my end, you guys were way better drivers than we are because you say right now they got good cars. I think the equipment makes us shine a little bit more because it's more adapt to the racetrack. They're, yeah. They're, they, they're specific built cars. Yeah, purpose-built car yeah, for that specific yeah. service. And, uh, they've got to be easier to drive. Yeah. But if you get enough people in those cars, it makes it harder to win, too. Yeah, Because you've got a lot of people out there that can win. I've said since I've started driving that it's not the driving part's not necessarily the hard part. It's getting good and consistent at the driving part. Yeah. Anybody can go burn circles and looks cool, but you got to make And some people, some people are just wreck magnets. Yeah. You know, I've raced <laughs> with people. I've raced with people yeah. that just wreck magnets, yeah. you know. If there's a wreck, they'll find it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy just walked in, Ken Walker. If someone's wrecking, he's he's finding them. But some guys are just, and a lot of, there's a lot of times they don't have any idea that they don't think they're doing nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. We raced with a guy, me and Rick did. I never did have any trouble with him, but Rick did one time. And Rick finally told him, he said, yeah, I run into you on purpose. I'm tired of you running into me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Walter. Walter. There, there's a guy, uh, Ben Solberg. I don't think he knew any better, but he was all over the damn racetrack. And I don't, I made a point to wreck him because yeah. I didn't know any better. I couldn't. I could not pass that guy. Yeah. It's like when I got next to him, he just, something drove him to me. Yeah. yeah. Hit. You so had to I, hit. Yeah. I had enough of it. And I spun him out, and I got tore up. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's the way it goes. Well, that's the fellow you mentioned a while ago, and, and he has since died. Uh, David Emerson, he had a, yeah. a purple, uh, it, was, it was actually a Dodge engine, and boy, it was stout. Pretty quick. And he drove the fire out of it. And yeah. it, it was kind of the same thing. When we get together, we'd hit. But one night up at, at Bolivar, or Lebanon, when it was dirt, I, my car was working perfect that night, and I caught him in the heat race, and I just sat right beside him, ran that whole race side to side. And then at the end, because I, I, I was able to, I'd give him room in the corner. And I, I wanted to stay, I wanted to let him get to my ass in because he'd hit me in that mm -hmm. end. So we stayed square the whole time. Then I beat him about half a car going for the checkered. And he come down, man, that was quite a race. Well, da, da, da. I said, yeah, see, we can race without wrecking. Yeah. And we didn't have any trouble after that. It was like he saw, you know, the light went off or whatever. But he didn't know that I was giving him the whole damn racetrack, <laughs> you know, to keep from hitting yeah. me. 
the squirrels got sorted out a little bit differently growing up, didn't it, than they do now? People aren't weren't nearly as nice. Oh, I, you know, one night, uh, you, I've had a lot of experiences. I, I missed some pretty good fights. I never was in one. Uh, at Bolivar, did you ever hear of the vault people from down around Crane? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've seen Scotty Vault fight at a dirt bike race one time. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, this was named, this guy was named Perry, Perry Vault. I've heard many stories about well, Perry Vault. Well, we was running at Bolivar on a dirt track, the old track, the old dirt track. And uh, I was driving for the Jones boys out of Elevated Springs. And uh, I got into him. But what happened, something stopped in front of him, and I just couldn't get stopped. Mm -hmm. And I got into him, turned him sideways, and my car ended up, he ended up stopped sideways, and my nose right against it. He had to come out over the hood of my car to get out. Oh, he was mad. I mean, fire was coming out. And then I, he come back around. I just sat in the car. I couldn't, my car wouldn't start. And I had my helmet on. I said, Perry, I couldn't stay off of you. I didn't know he was going to stop that quick. And he, well, you huff and puff. And he said, well, if it's anybody but you, I know. <laughs> but about that time, he had three or four brothers there. And here they come. Well, the guys that owned my car had three or four brothers there. And the fight, Perry jumped right off the bank of the track right in the middle of them. <laughs> the fight was on. <laughs> I got finally got my car started, drove around. Flagman had the black flag out, and I stopped. And Neville Neal, uh -huh. I said, what's the black flag for? He said, well, you're fighting. And I said, well, I wasn't fighting. I never got out. I don't know who them people was. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was an example of, of that type of thing with uh, Bradley Willard. When he started racing, it was the Lake Ozark Speedway. And they was having a big race, and... I was a hundred lapper, forty probably a forty lapper or something. But anyway, it had a little scrape and and had a red flag, I guess. And he stopped, and he had a fender hanging. Somebody come out of the infield. I think we pitted on the infield at that time. Yeah, we pitted on the infield there. They come out, tore that fender off, and they black flagged him. He said, "Well, I didn't know who that guy was. <laughs> you know, it wasn't my pit guy." And uh, it wasn't very long after that I forty four Speedway was born because. Bill we'll just have our own racetrack. Yeah, yeah. Really. yeah that's how it got no built. No kidding. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he just wanted to do it his way, so he yeah. fired his own place. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you guys, I think we got a good stop point here. I think it's fixing to storm here pretty quick. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like if it's coming through uh, Galena. Yeah, Austin lives in Galena, so that's why he was oh, yeah. so quick. He came back. He came back, uh, he came back and dropped a door off. He oh. said, I don't know how he's gonna haul this. Yeah, I got a door and quarter he picked up for me in the back of his truck. I had uh -huh. to try and fit the Cavalier. I could put the seats down. So Okay. <laughs> said, I do. He said something about hitting the button, you know, how to do it or something to find out. Well, I hope I've answered all your questions. You I didn't wish, ask a whole lot. But, uh, well, I wish I, I knew more to ask. I really appreciate you having us down here. I'd like to do this again. Riley really got this set up, so I'll yeah. say thank you to we Riley. We can do it again. This Hell is, yeah. Yeah. Get a little we, bit. Just, we just really kind of scratched on the surface a little bit yeah. <laughs> because there's so many, there's jillions of stories, of course, and different cars. And, but now but, you talk about one thing about, you know, like he said, there was all of a sudden there's six or seven guys mm -hmm. racing when Pee Wee started. If you go way back in the history of our little town here, his uncle, cousin, whatever. Billy, Billy Joe's Joe, my cousin. Billy Joe Adams was one of the first. That was back in the 40s. And then there was a guy named Bill Chandler. And all these guys went to Fairgrove School. Mm -hmm. And I've got a list that long. 
See, you've got in my you've got four people in my family. You've got three two, or four two, in his family. Yeah, three count four counting Charles. Count Charles owned a car. Then you got the Bates. You got four or five there in one family. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. then Eisenhower's. You know, you got three there, and I, uh, his dad, Ricky's dad, has. On, I drove. I drove the first car he owned. He's younger than me, but he didn't ever drive. But I drove his car in, I don't know, sixty-six or seven. Yeah, I think that <coughs> I there's a, a little Eisenhower riding go karts now, isn't there? A younger yeah, he's, kid. He's racing street stocks because I remember. Trevor. Yeah. Uh, I think it was last year at Urbana. He was racing go karts against Danny's son. Yeah, they've got so, go karts. Yeah, he was over there yeah. racing. So. But Trevor's running. He's got a street stop. He's been winning at Lebanon. Really? But now yeah. he's. He's 16 or 17, isn't he? He's 17 now. Yeah. 17. And then uh, does Reed still run? Reed races go-karts. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's uh, Ryan's son, right? Yeah. And he's so he's running some. But yeah, then we had some, you know, one-offs like... Uh, well, Gray Bill. Uh, yeah, we, got, we, we count Gray Bill. He's got a Springfield address. But, but, he, but he lives he lives in the Fairgrove School District. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He didn't go to school out here. We, we claim him. <laughs> and uh, uh, Maurice Butler. Maurice Butler. He's a big winner. Mike Calderon and his boy. And, yeah. I mean, there's Mickey Burrell. Mickey yeah, Burrell. Mickey's from Fairgrove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It, you'd have to sit down and get it all figured there's out. There's not now. another little town around here that's got near as many people. Now, there was there's several out of Walnut Grove mm-hmm. that has raced, but not much, you know, you got three or four, five. We've got, got some. Dirt. Yeah, well, we've got some. That I don't even know. But isn't Sean Whitman? Doesn't he live? Yeah, just over right, the hill, right over here. Really? <laughs> now he, you know, he moved out here. Yeah, you know, but uh, uh, Doug Kreider and that his name, Doug. Yeah. See, uh, when when uh, David Goldsberry was driving Joe Negra's car in USAC, Joe lived right across the street from Richard Eisenhower in Fairgrove. Really? Yeah, yeah we've had quite of. Uh, uh, and extended, you know, it didn't stop. You right. know, it just it keeps, keeps on going. Keeps yeah. going and, and, uh, and that's what I like about it is, uh, as long as we're going to have racing, maybe we're going to have somebody from Fairgrove racing with it. So that's cool. Every time I heard anything about I forty four, this is uh, three four years ago. It was always the Fairgrove posse guys that were the ones to beat. It. They were trying to post stuff to get well, a little bit of publicity going for, there. We're starting with ninety. That's when eighty nine. Eighty nine. From 89 on, uh, me and Rick, David Bates. Then Ricky. Ricky. uh, We won a lot of the... Most of the races and championships. Yeah. Yeah. I won, uh, between those two tracks, I won both of them in 91. I won one in 93. I won both of them in 95. And I won one in 92 track championships. So I won six, I guess, there. David's got how many? He got several. Yeah. Seven. Well, some and, of the years I didn't win, or you didn't. Yeah. And then, <laughs> huh? And Jay. And Jay Bates. Yeah. Yeah. And Dylan. And Dylan, Dylan. now. So, <laughs> if you're not a Fairgrove guy, your chances are slim. There's, there's, a, there's a sign right up up here, and they call Fairgrove Little Charlotte. No kidding. Uh, see, Ricky's won probably 90% of all the modified races the last few years mm-hmm. since they went back to pavement. Uh, not very few. He very seldom ever gets beat. I see. Uh, oh, Phil Harris was talking about Eisenhower, saying yeah. he was wanting to put someone in his car to beat him. He's trying to find someone <laughs> to beat him. So I have to get somebody pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty good. You've got to have. You know, you're talking about the. You know what? What's the difference between the guys now and the guys? You know, years ago. 
We were running that four nights a week, part of the time. I didn't live in this shop, but I damn near did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wasn't married. And if I had a date, then I'd come over here. I'd be at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd be over here getting the car ready to go. And uh, I think in 74, we had three cars racing out of here. We had Dale's Late Model, and we had Don Dave's. Uh, we were hobby stocks, and I had a hobby stock. And there, was, there were times that my car didn't get fixed uh, because I'd load their cars up, and they'd go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, dedication to it. Uh, of course, it, it we did. It takes you know the ingredients is hard work, money, and ability. Mm-hmm. That's I've, I've yeah. always said. If you don't have much money, you can make up with it in ability, and hard work. Yeah, I, you I'm, know I understand that. And yeah. if you've got a lot, a lot of money, you can bypass some of the other. You may not yeah. still win, but you're still you're still get up there. You can bypass a lot of the hard work. Yeah, if you got yeah, a lot you of money, can hire and you can sometimes to, bypass the money part by not running into stuff by being good. Yeah, so that, yeah, I, I yeah. Ability yeah. makes up for the. And and the guys that uh, you've heard of J.C. Newell, right? Yep. yep. Well, he and I started at the same time. Now, when he started, he was not known as the gentle giant. <laughs> no. He was damn big, but he was not gentle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they barred him from the Capitol Speedway up there at Whole Summit for really? fighting. Yeah. You would not know that by yeah, talking to no. him today because he's a nice guy. <laughs> and uh, but you know, as when he started, it he tore up stuff. Yeah. But you know he he figured it out you know get a little smoother and you know he's been one of the smoothest you know most consistent racers for a long long time and uh, and he knows his uh, a lot of guys don't know their where they belong mm-hmm. you know uh, I you know I was pretty sure that nobody's ever going to call me to come drive their uh, NASCAR racer but I never owned a race car and I've raced for 50 years mm-hmm. you know on and off on and off. And uh, with this car I'm putting together out here right now, I've got more ownership in it than I've ever had, <laughs> you know. But if I if I can run next year, that'll I'll be able to beat Dale by one decade. That'll put me <laughs> in six decades. <laughs> that brings me to a question that I, I Gary Clark said that his dad quit racing in his thirteenth year. Said it was bad luck. What's superstitions is something you got to ask everybody about you have anything that you do's and don'ts whenever you were racing or did any no, of that stuff affect not, you? not really i i uh i never did run a green car yeah. i never did run a car at number 13 yeah. i don't know if they're bad like that don't seem to bother anybody anymore it used to uh-huh. yeah you've never seen a green car but you do now yeah, yeah scott drake had a list no 50 dollar bills no peanuts no oh, chicken, yeah. No oh the old yeah the 50 yeah. Dollar bill thing. he got that from don drake and that that's his dad right or his grandpa I, I'm not Okay, I'm not Don sure. Drake ran Modifieds in Grandpa. Joplin. Yeah, back when Dean uh, it ran right. the Modifieds down there in the in the uh, late 60s. The 34 Ford Coupes yeah, and stuff. Yeah, really. And Don, and he, I don't know that he was a big winner, but he was there all the time and you know, probably won some races. But he came out of retirement. You remember this? Yeah. We had this, this Mustang that we had built. And it was out of the old Torino stuff. that, And we shortened it up. And that car really ran good. But we wanted to update, build a lighter car. We were sitting out back this shop, and old Kenny Smith come by. And I guess you gave him the car. Yeah. And he got it, got the wheels on it. You know, he, it, we'd pull the rear end out and stuff, and and he got it, made it a roller. And Don Drake had this. He had a 350 Chevy, and they put this Chevy motor in it. And they didn't even put a seat in it. Old Don was a pretty good sized fella. He just sat on the floorboard <laughs> and buckled in. And they won races down at Monette. Usually, be features <laughs> yeah. and stuff. 
but old, uh, it just tickled old Don to dress. He drove in overhauls. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, <laughs> he was an old school. And, and I always, I, I, I never did know his, you know, I figured Scott was probably a grandson and, and all these others, but that's a family right there that's got, it's got, keep a, on going, got yeah. a lot of laps yeah. in their family, in their bloodline. Yeah. So that's one thing I like about this whole, uh, this whole country down here with, you know, with the Esries and the Mooneyhams and, uh, and I know there's got to be more, of course, but uh, the Maggards and the, uh, the Vaught boys, there was, there was several of the Vaught boys that raced. Uh, Perry seemed to race the longest and, and have the most success. I ran second to him in the Missouri Dirt Track, or the Four State Dirt Track Championship with uh, Phil McCurry's car one time by uh, accident. That was a, uh, we broke a, broke, broke a hub and had a brand new right front tire on us down at Monette. And that tire went right straight down the back stretch and out in that field out there. <laughs> well, Phil and my sister, Phil's my brother-in-law, they went searching, went and bought a flashlight and went searching for that brand new tire and stuff. Well, I got the car pieced back together and they weren't back yet, so I got it in line, like, you know, wherever Phil was going to start, I guess in the back, because he didn't finish the heat ray. Anyway, I started that thing and, and I run second to Perry Vaught in it and, uh, didn't have any brake. Well, I had brakes only on the rear wheels because of, I had blocked the front off because all I got was a hub with no brakes on it. <laughs> and uh, and that was a car that we had just put together. Dale had seen it sitting in somebody's yard, that Chevelle. Yeah. He's on his mail route. He tells Phil, there's his Chevelle <laughs> sitting over here, and he buys it. And it was a it was a 327 Power Glide, and he blows the transmission up the first night. He ran it at the fairgrounds. and Anyway, we put that car together, and and uh, run the, that uh, four-state dirt track. And then the very first time they had the four-state dirt track race was at Bolivar Speedway. Uh, however many years they've had it now, 45 years, I think, yeah, something like that. Getting, yeah. We had two classes. We had late models and we had hobby stocks. And I was running this 57 Chevy in the hobby stocks. And uh, <clears throat> Kenny Esprey won the late models. And it paid 500 to win. Roger Chisholm runs second. And uh, I, I won the modify or the the uh, hobby stock race. I, they had lap money like two dollars and a half or something for leading a lap, you know. I, I, I led every lap all night long and I got two hundred and forty dollars, which was quite a bit of money for me. And old Roger Chisholm runs second. He said, "Hey, Sharp, how much money did you get?" I said, two forty. Well, hell, you got more than I did. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm sorry, Roger. <laughs> I just I just ran all the laps." <laughs> That, that was uh, one of the Vaught boys that didn't, I think maybe he got killed later on, was in that race too. Really? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was a young fellow. I had no idea that the four-state race started in Bolivar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. it was in Monette. They so. called no. it the Phoenix race. No, no, that nope. was Missouri. That's a different race. Yeah, that was a Missouri dirt track. Yeah. And the four-state started at Bolivar, and I can't remember, KTTS sponsored it. That's yeah. when Dan O'Day was the announcer, and... And he worked at KTTS as well, and they got a, that big deal, and, and four state dirt track championship, and and it's never died. You know, I want to, I want a heat, I want a heat race one night at that track, that that race, and got a trophy, and I found it down here, and I gave it. Rod Hughes built that race track originally, really? and I give that trophy to him. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> we won uh, what we thought was going to be the last four state championship. 
when the last race Randy had and we won it and I was real proud of that and then uh-huh. Slagle's got it now so we're still really trying to pay attention to go to that race because it's still got some it's still got meaning to it yeah so, yeah Randy moved that to Monette he was a he was the uh promoter at Bolivar and then he got the Monette track mm-hmm. and then he moved it to there Bolivar closed uh for a while there uh and then when Bill Willard bought it tore it down and built all new track and and you know turned it around and all that what makes bolivar struggle what makes it open close open close uh no, well I, I everybody, everybody that runs it ain't got no money that's uh, a bad thing to get into when you it, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's just like having a race car with no money that's where i'm at yeah. i you know won't be able to run a consistent you know i, I you know can't say i'm gonna run for a championship because i can't um uh, it's had uh, oh it, it was a saturday night racetrack it was their track and when Bill moved it to to Friday night, that aggravated a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just not one thing. You know, then you had different owners that ran people off. We had a fellow that was in there. And if you didn't like it, load your ass stuff up and leave, you know. Uh, he ran off people. Uh, so it's, uh, and there's nobody, or uh, there may be now, but it's hard to get anybody racing out of Bolivar. Right. And in, and in the early 70s, there was a lot of guys racing out of Bolivar. And you know we were outsiders. That was late models weren't running. They were sportsmen. We t- Dale run a '57 Chevy, yeah. and they were you could run Chevelles, 327 cubic inch, aluminum intake if it came from Chevrolet, no quick changes, and no uh, anything about nobody did anything about weight and all that. You know you could run headers of course, and uh, but th- that was their top class. Guys like Earl Muhlenberg ran a. Uh, 69 Chevelle, he would run the B feature at the fairgrounds and then he'd come up there and he'd be a winner up there, mm-hmm. see, but Larry Phillips and Larry Ball and Willie Crane and those guys, they didn't bother with Bolivar because it was sportsman class right. then when they made them late models in then that's then they all showed up you know, so that was, you know, one like Monette see, they built it, what, in 69 I think, I don't know I believe it was 69, that Dr. Douthat I think built it it was across from his house. There used to be a house across from the, the Monette Speedway, yeah. and it was a little quarter mile out there in the pasture. And, and I don't know if he was a guy that built it or not. He had it for a while. Yeah, then he may was, not have been Douthat that built it. And then there was a guy named Shirley Williams had it. Yeah, he was out of Arkansas. He had a grocery store in Arkansas. Uh-huh. And, yeah, uh, yeah we when they built it new, you actually pitted at the end of the grandstand, and... Uh, then they enlarged it a little bit, and we pitted on the infield. Yeah, on the infield, yeah. And then they enlarged it, or changed it some more, and then we pitted on the back stretch, yeah. and as it is now. But uh, that little track, it was a, it was a funny little track. Uh, the guys, the locals down there, uh, Gary Wellbaum, I think was one, yeah, of, yeah. and some shoemakers, and uh, and the Vaughts, Louis Vaught ran down there, and, and Perry, and this was before Esri. Uh, he was running at the fairgrounds, and you know he wasn't messing with that little track mm-hmm. because you know they were probably you know paying a hundred to win or something like that. So <coughs> then when they started paying money, the guys was you know they come around to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's never changed. Oh yeah, you know yep. you can't have a. Dale mentioned Green Forest, Arkansas, a while ago. Now how did you? We didn't. We didn't see that on the internet. No, it wasn't on a publication. How no, did you find I, out? They I, were I was on. I was carrying the mail. There's a bread truck come through the fruit and grocery store out here, a little country store, and said he'd heard he carried bread truck down in there and said, you know, they built a racetrack in Green Forest, Arkansas. This was late in the year. We'd been running at Bolivar, 
it didn't start running until probably August. And he said, well, I heard it's paying pretty good, so we didn't want anybody to know about it. <laughs> so we loaded up here, and we wouldn't go through Springfield. We'd go around, go around that way to get down the green, go through Blue Eye. <laughs> go, so we didn't want nobody to know we was going down there. And sure enough, they had a lot of cars, but, I mean, they'd come right out of the salvage. We had a 57 Chevy, but it was a race car. Mm -hmm. We had racing tires. They had nothing. <laughs> and we won. We won, and I went to ask this old boy, I said, where do they pay off? Well, I, said, I don't know. I ain't never made it. And I finally figured out where they did. Well, they paid. They was paying 400 to win. Now, that was pretty good then. Yep. And I found out why they paying. They was only paying four places. Oh, shit. <laughs> they didn't pay the heat races and four places in the feature. Really? Yeah. And they still have 40 cars, 45 that's, cars. Yeah, that's where go-kart promoters got of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they paid three of us to send the rest of us home. Yeah. Green was... Forest, we deliver there at work. That's a pretty good ride. Yeah. In yeah. the middle of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we really... Well, that track was built out in the woods. Oh, I can yeah, imagine, but, yeah. Uh, it'd get dusty enough if the limbs were hitting your front end you knew you're off the racetrack yeah. you know there was uh uh we was there uh they were out there hot lapping and somebody had quit their old car had quit and he's rolled up here you know we pitted right outside the track on the hillside rocks yeah and this guy had stopped well he had two or three guys down there had the hood up working on while he was out there hot lapping <laughs> well we was up there doing something to ours and here we're motor roar and dale said somebody's throttle stuck so we all turned around and looked. Here this guy, he turned it and he made it around the corner all the way to the back end of that car. <laughs> he hit it in the ass, knocked one guy flying, and he's laying down there. And this going to have to take him to the hospital. They had no Thunderbird, didn't they? With some yeah, <laughs> yeah. Somebody said, we're going to have to take him to the hospital. So pretty soon you hear this roam out here in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> here comes this one of them old, like a... Uh, early uh, some 60s model uh, T-Bird it was four door the back doors open backwards you know? <laughs> and he had a couple little red lights in the grill and he pulled in down there and he slid him into the back seat oh, <laughs> so there's a driver's meeting they said boys you can't be drinking you know, they decided he was drunk <laughs> and, which is a little better than the, than the Bill Fry story that he likes to tell he raced somewhere in Arkansas at the driver's meeting they said fellas if you know, if you think any of your competitors are too drunk to race, <laughs> too drunk, yeah, right. tell a pit story. <laughs> yeah. And he says, "Who decides who what too drunk is?" You know. <laughs> yeah. I so, went. I don't know where I was at one time, and they had an old scale, like a feed scale, like you drive a truck on scales, yeah. And they had a weight limit, and I was fifteen pound light on the scale. I don't really think I was. They said it was, but anyway. I said, you sure? Oh, yeah, you're 15-pound light. And I looked back, and I said, well, that left rear tar's flat, ain't it? <laughs> he said, yeah. And I said, well, I had 40-pound air in that tar when I went out. <laughs> so that wouldn't do all, well, yeah, that'd make it. You're all right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, hell. <laughs> yeah, that's logic right there. Yeah. <laughs> to oh, the yeah, average we, person, that would work. <laughs> we had, there at Green Forest, it track got rough and uh, Labor Day weekend. It was you know the first year they were open, maybe only open one year. And the radiator fell. It was a regular stock radiator. This is before a racing radiator in those days was a Corvette or a custom built, uh, you know, where they put extra big tanks on and stuff. Well, anyway, the radiator fell apart and fell back into the fan. It cut it apart and 
so we didn't have a spare radiator cord. And this guy said, well, I think uh, my Aunt Mary's got a, a 57 Chevy uh, radiator over there in the chicken house. And uh, he said, I'll get my boy out of the grandstand and he can take my car and Dale, he'll show Dale how to get the, where that chicken house is. Where'd you go, Berryville? Or I went so we went way the off next, in the countryside. Went the next night and raced in Fayetteville. Yeah, but when you come back, <laughs> we put this radiator in, and all it was was a Chevy radiator. It well, fell then, apart as well, <laughs> but he didn't come in then. He just kept running, and uh, it got passed on the last lap. He undid the seat belts, and he was looking out the side window because we run windshields in those yeah. days. Because we run. So anyway, he. He gets past on the checkered flag, don't even know it. Pulls back around, now he waved him off, and he comes in, shuts the key off, and it just keeps running. Wouldn't it's so hot, <laughs> it would not shut off. So he run it up against the trailer and killed it. And that thing smelled, you couldn't take a, a quart of oil and cook it any longer and make it smell any worse <laughs> than that thing did. We pulled it through the hills and hollers, drained the oil out over at Rogers or somewhere. Drained it two times anyway. Yeah, we, we carried lots of oil with us and started up, you know, and oil pressure wasn't as what it used to be, you know, but we run the next day at Fayetteville. Yeah. And uh, then it set all winter, I think, and then the next year they had a race at the fairgrounds on the half mile for dirt cars and drivers that had ran on asphalt. Well, I qualified because I hadn't ran very many races even. And... Uh, so we took that car, of course we had some big old tires put on. And I went up there and I didn't know very much. I told George Chapman, he was our, our crew chief there. I said, George is missing, I think. And, you know, and he checked around, no, no, it's got fired every spark plug, you know. So I go out there and the, the fellow I mentioned earlier, Louis Vaught, he had a, like a 67 Chevelle with a 409 in it. And we was out there, he'd pulled me like five cars on the straightaway. I'd just stay on the gas, I'd drive right in on him in the well, I don't know. we took the white flag, and I'm thinking, well, I'll just pull out and pass him. You know, well, I didn't know you're not supposed to turn the steering wheel in the middle of the corner. <laughs> well, I pulled out like this, and I did everything but hit the wall. And while I was up here trying to save it, Perry bought went by me. So anyway, I ended up third instead of second. Pull in there, George, he's raised the hood up, and he's over messing around pretty soon. Hey, Ricky, come here and look. He had the valve cover off, and there's a rocker arm laying there. <laughs> you know, he was running on seven yeah. cylinders. And uh, then I tore that engine apart when I worked at the O'Reilly machine shop. It had melted the bearing material out of the camshaft. Oh, it no. got so hot. That's well, we where the oil pressure went. Really? We ran it a long time after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's going. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that crankshaft, that was in 72 or 3, yeah. whatever. That crankshaft won a race at the Bolivar Speedway on the asphalt on Kim McCowan. Yeah. Remember you gave that to him? Yeah. So it's 20 brain. years later, it won another race. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that was uh, that car, that 57 Chevy, was built to run on the asphalt track at the Rolla Speedway. Or Short the, little track. The, Rolla. Yeah, yeah, a little quarter-mile track they had up there. Rust, Rusty's dad. Yeah, yeah, it was for Rusty Wallace's dad to drive. Mm -hmm. Well, then and he moved on, and they closed the track down. It was sitting up there, and, and Dale and George Chapman is going to put a car together. Yeah. Remember? And he got started on it and decided, hell, this ain't going to... It was a Ford frame. And and anyway, Dale talked to the guy about trading that start of a, of a Chevelle for that old 57. So they made the trade. We brought it down here and made it, Dale made a tr deal with, with uh, Bill Jones, wasn't it? Buy engines? Yeah. 
and it was parts so that engine scattered all over Springfield. Yeah. The camshaft was in a guy's car. He was running. <laughs> it was Bud McKee's son-in-law, and went over there, and they had to pull the damn camshaft out, so put it, you know, take it and put this engine together, and uh, it was as simple a thing as you could ever seen. It was a, a 283 Chevy with uh, 60 over board 60 over, but the piston said standard because <laughs> yeah. in the 60s you could put dome pistons in, but it had to be standard bore. So TRW made pistons that were 30 over that or 60 over that said standard. Said standard. Yeah. <laughs> so if they took away, yep, it's standard. Well. That made it 292 cubic inch, had a flat tappet camshaft, had aluminum flywheel on it, and it had a little, uh, they were stock rods, but they were like for out of a 265 cubic <laughs> inch. And, uh, and we had, that car had magnesium rear wheels on it. And so it, bam, it just light up and go. At 302 yeah. aluminum intake. Yeah, it was a Z28 intake, you know. And it outrun a ton of 327. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone thought we was cheating some of bitches, you know, <laughs> until they'd look in there and see that little. Uh, a 283 had a little tiny uh, balancer, harmonic balancer. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even balancer. It was a little plate, you know, <laughs> to put the, to put the uh, pulley on. So they'd see that. Oh, well, it's a 283, you know. <laughs> yeah, we got protested. They was going to tear down a bunch of them up there at Bolivar. They seen that, and they stopped. But Roger Chisholm wasn't so lucky. He, he pulled the, they pulled the headers off, looked at his exhaust ports, and the, they'd been hogged out about to the bolts, you know. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that was like that. I said, I bought these used. <laughs> so they didn't disqualify. Really? Yeah. Didn't I, yeah he didn't, I wasn't trying to cheat. I didn't know it. That's Jerry Hoffman's method. Yeah. He said, if you ever get caught cheating, just tell him you didn't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it don't work. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know it was that way. <laughs> he always tells me that. If you get in any trouble, tell him you didn't know. Yeah. Like, Plead ignorance. Don't think it's going to work. Uh-huh. But like the guy yeah. at the go-kart races who didn't know his side covers welded shut. Right. Yeah. Well, what the don't, hell? No idea. Yeah, I don't have that. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't going to be able to take him that night until someone came out with a cutoff wheel, and then it got pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he start backpedaling a little bit, <laughs> thinking, well, that, maybe maybe that, he done something in there? That's when tech started getting noisy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People were hooping and hollering over there then. Oh, I tell you what. We've been, we talked about, you know, how many different tracks you raced on, you know, different we had a discussion one night about how many different numbers we've ranked, <laughs> you know, and uh, we haven't missed too many. He said he ain't never run a 13. I wouldn't be so sure. He maybe has and he forgot. <laughs> so he's, he, that, what year was it? You drove three different tracks? In a, I, yeah, in I drove three, different, three cars. different cars, three different nights. Well, they wasn't all 54. No, no. One <laughs> of them was 48 and maybe a 10 and I don't remember, 24 maybe. Yeah. Oh, but that, drove, <laughs> yeah, but when you go through it all, oh yeah, I drove that car. I drove that number one time, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, and so you know we got through a lot of. So it. I drove in my career from start to finish. I drove about fifty percent of the time was stuff I owned, mm-hmm. and fifty percent of the time I drove for other people. A lot of some years I'd drive my car at Springfield and drive somebody else, somebody another owner's car at, at uh, Fort Wood Speedway, you know. That man, uh, oh, I, I don't know what number Lee Williams had on his car that night. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Lee Williams. That's the car you drove one night. Yeah. You don't. There's a long. Lee Williams was the only. You know, uh, Bubba Wallace ain't got nothing. Because <laughs> Lee Williams, he was racing a long time yeah. ago. Well, of course, Wendell Wallace before him. Lee Williams was a tree trimmer in Springfield, 
and he had a it was a 57 chevy 50, wasn't it? 56 or 50, something yeah and uh pretty good car yeah run it down there at monette on the on the little bitty you know track. i may know who you're talking about mm -hmm. um we had a guy he just passed away a year ago he was talking about he went to the races growing up this black guy and he was the first person. He won a B feature uh -huh. at Monet. The first ever black person to win a B yeah. feature at Monet Speedway. Yeah, that's him. Uh, yeah, God, he would have won a trophy dash. He was late it. He gave the white flag. You know, that's, he just yeah. got on the brakes and turned into the pits. Yeah. And they said it after he won that B feature. It was a big stink because he laid lips on the trophy girl, and it caused a hell of a problem. <laughs> I can't, what the well, hell? Well, he got hit by the wrecker down there and broke a leg, and they come and got me to drive his car at night. Really. Yeah, yeah, he's just down there watching. I, I didn't just know. Watched him, yeah, you were just—I don't know why you chose to drive down there to watch. D-Day was running the. Floor. Oh, that's right. Don was driving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Don was made his racing debut. He was partners on this, uh, like a what was sixty-two Six, Ford. Sixty-two Ford. And Wayne Bates, <laughs> David Jay's dad, he was a regular driver, but since uh, Don was partner on, he wanted to race, so they they wanted to took it down there for him to drive. Well. I guess he went out there and run, and old Greg Dishman, he likes to tell, he was over there leaning against the light pole. He come in, it was hot. He said, old Don, he just passed out. He said it looked like a cartoon. He just <laughs> spiraled around that pole and ended up on the ground. And that's why, yeah, that's why you were down there. Yeah. And, yeah. I was just down there to watch, and, and this, Lee had a little black kid with him. And, and Dishman told us, he said, well, that guy over there drove race cars. They, they told Lee to the hospital mm -hmm. for a broken leg. This is it, the same person. Uh -huh. yeah. Ricky, yeah. Ricky McGee was the guy and was uh, telling us the story. And he, he said, you sure he'd be all right? And Dishman said, well, he drove a lot, so I got, and I won in the car. I won it. Really? And I gave him the money, and at that time, he had never won. He said, man, I didn't know you could win that much money. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know, $26 or something. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> they spent it all on wine, I think. I, I can't I, believe that. That that Ricky McGee come by our shop every Saturday, and he told us that story. Yeah, yeah. You see, he was saying that he was the first one to win a B feature yeah. down there, and he kissed the trophy girl, and they about ran him out of town. <laughs> he was. Uh, yeah, he's a fairly nice guy. I guess I knew. I'm he, not too sure he didn't die in the hospital. Is no, I mean, no, later no. On? He he drowned at uh, oh, he drowned. Lake Springfield. Yeah, yeah. him and his. Yeah. Yeah, him and his uh, brother-in-law or somebody, they got in a boat that had a hole in it. And they yeah. I think they might have been drinking. <laughs> but it was his brother-in-law, I think, that died in the hospital. They took took a bunch of something to drink in. Oh, before. yeah, they, he died of alcohol poisoning in the hospital. Yeah. All of his buddies come by and drinking with him. Okay. I don't know what was wrong with him to start with. Yeah. But but it, he ended up, uh, yeah, uh, I think Sue Bates, yep. David's mom, she was uh, on that floor, so she knew the story. That's you know. crazy. And uh, Lee, he he was a tree trimmer, and he wore his racing helmet to trim trees. <laughs> so it was probably pretty smelly. <laughs> and Dale put it on his head <laughs> and raced it. Yeah, well, my wife just raised hell. On the way home, she said, I can't believe you wore his hat. You don't know what that might have been in that thing. So Dale sat there and started scratching his head <laughs> like you got something. I told you there'd be something in there. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> and so one day I worked at a, there's a nut and bolt place on Boonville. It's where the, it's where the, uh, jailhouse is now. And, uh, old Lee come and whipping in there. He had a, he just bought this 56 Chevy and it didn't have no front bumper on it. And it, and it didn't have a shifter. I mean, it had a shifter, but it didn't have a lever. Well, it was, there's a Sparkomatic brand in those days that, that threaded in. 
he wanted a piece of all thread. He's going to make him a shifter <laughs> out of it, you know. So I sold him a piece of all thread. He's wearing his helmet. And uh, <coughs> that was, oh, that was on Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Well, we was open till noon on, on Saturday. So Saturday morning, about 9 o'clock, he whoa, pulls in. And they'd run through some fences with that car. He scratched all the hell. <laughs> And he come in stunk like wine and I don't know what all. And he had lost his shifter. You know, he needed another shifter. <laughs> oh God! And hey, way they went. There wasn't as there wasn't as many in the car the second time yeah. as it was the first time. He had lost some of his passengers. Oh, uh, they was living the dream, I guess. He was he was racing everywhere. Oh gosh! Yeah, you know, you know the uh, Jones boy that runs a car at Wheatland. Some. Uh, well, now there's a Larry, younger Larry's grandson, Chase. Chase. Chase well, John, Larry, yeah. Larry is one of the brothers. There was a whole bunch of brothers older than Larry, and they'd build a race car, and every one of them would try to drive, end up not driving. And I, I drove for them two or three years. Mm -hmm. uh, but Larry's got older brothers. Mm -hmm. And I drove for them. That's whose car I was driving when I when I had to round with Perry. <laughs> <coughs> but I drove for him two or three years. Really, I think yeah. Larry's still racing late model a little bit here yeah. and there. Yeah, and Chase is Chase races the A mod still. He's he's wild. Is he that gets, Larry's boy? I don't Chase? know if it's his boy must, or not. Must be. Yeah, he's on the gas. He could have a grant. Yeah, oh, he, maybe not a grant. Hell, Chase is he's every bit of. 26 oh, to 30. Really? He's every bit of my age. Yeah. I mean, okay. He may be a little younger, but yeah. if he is, not by much. But, well, you guys, I appreciate you letting us come down. You're letting, welcome. Well, awesome yeah. split, but letting us come down and talk. It's been fun. I want to come back down here and do this again. Okay, anytime. Well, uh, I'll have some better ideas here when I come back. This this is cool. Yeah, you, can, you can go talk to Rex and these other guys and dispel gonna, some of our rumors. Yeah. Like Rex is coming up, and yeah. I got Bill Fry's phone number. Bill Fry would be a good one to, oh, to yeah. talk with, but Rex is going to be a good one. I raced against Bill Fry when he started on the half-mile asphalt. Really? He was an asphalt yeah. racer. we got to come up. I heard he comes to Ava quite a bit, so we're going to try and catch him in the middle sometime because I looked up how far Greenbrier is, and it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty yeah, good ride. it's yeah. a jaunt. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about going down to him, but that's almost he's five from, hours. Uh, he's from Squires. Really? That's near Ava, yeah. Near that, Ava. That yeah. must be why he goes there quite a bit. Yeah. I guess he's got a shop got there. family and stuff yeah. still Logan there. Martin told I me. think that the guy that built his engines that was so good that went to work for Hendrick. Mm -hmm. The gaze. I, the, he, is he the sheriff down there now? No, I don't think it's the same one. No? Okay. Yeah, the, the sheriff, the gaze, I don't think it's the same one. Well, there was a the gaze that built his motors. Uh-huh. And they, Hendrick... NASCAR Hendrick mm -hmm. sent him a head. Said, "Yeah, I don't know how he he run. He was somehow was uh, done some work for somebody or something." And well, uh, he was working for Baker, Miami Ray Baker, Miami, yeah. Miami Baker. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, and uh, Hendrick right? sent him a, half a head, half a head. Yeah, two cylinder. Yeah. And said, "Do what port this head? What you're doing ahead." So he did and sent it back to him, and they called him and said, well, could you go to work for us? Really? Yeah. And he gave Baker two weeks, and he said, well, you don't need to give me two weeks. If you're not going to work, go. And he said, I picked up a two, and he worked, worked for Hendrick. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, went right straight. But that was Bill's motor builder. Really? Yeah. That's He's cool. pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. So he had the, the hot ticket right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's get, cool. There's a lot of guys uh, that have, you know, made the move from here to, to the south <clears throat> that have been successful, and... Uh, we talked to one at Daytona, uh, Skip Pope. Yeah, he was a he raced at Monette and Bolivar, and 
a pretty good racer. And uh, he made a decision to move down there. Yeah, he got a divorce. And that made his decision. He, worked, <laughs> he, he was working for his wife's dad, his father-in-law. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. They got a divorce. He called me and he said, who could I go see to go to work down there? And I told him who to go see, and he did. That's, He's been there ever since. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it just it takes a lot of, uh, you know, the first, the first one I remember was Roger Watson. Roger Watson. He was a, uh, he was he owned Dean Roper's race car, and he he wasn't old enough to go in the pits. He'd have to watch his race car from the grandstand. <laughs> no kidding. Yep. He was 16. And uh, he went to... Uh, Richard Petty's. Yeah, but he, uh, Leonard Carr... Oh, that's who he... Uh, yeah. It was, I mean, he had somebody that built engines. Was it Leonard Carr? No. Uh, the, other, uh, the other guy. His mother dated yeah. this guy. They had that transmission shop there on the traffic way. Yeah, crap. I can't think of his name. But anyway... He learned everything he needed to know, and he wrote Richard Petty a letter that I'll come work for you uh, for room and board and get down here. And he drove a vote, put his tools in his Volkswagen <laughs> and went down there. Swept the floor. And, yeah, and then got in the engine room. Him and Maurice became friends. He still goes down to the Richard Petty homecoming. Really? Yeah. He's still, he's still great friends with uh, Maurice. They called him Chief. Yeah. That was his. And, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, you know, that was the highlight of his life. He said, we lived out of the suitcase because Cup guys, you know, Richard at least, you know, they raced, you know, 40, 50 times a year. Mm -hmm. Wherever they had a NASCAR-sanctioned race, that's where they went. Yeah. Be in Islip, New York one night and then being somewhere in Virginia the next night. Yeah. And, you know, that's just how they done it. But he said, literally lived out of the suitcase. That's crazy. And uh, uh, he just wore us out, you mm -hmm. know, but he said, I would give it back for anything, you know. That kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore at all. No. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Days are going Skip had everything he owned loaded in a cattle trailer. Just took off. And yeah. I told him, I told him how to get a hold of Norman Degree. And Norman let him park his truck where his shop was, or his mm -hmm. truck trailer. And then he let him start working. Norman was hanging bodies, NASCAR bodies. And Norman told me, he said, after about a week, I figured out he knew more than anybody I had working for me, <laughs> so he went to work for him. And he's still there. He's, really? That's been a long time ago. Uh huh. He's on the the thirty four team. I don't remember. Chris Busher, isn't it? No, it's McDowell. I think McDowell. Yeah, yeah. Busher's thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, <coughs> we saw him in the in the tech line. Mm -hmm. I didn't know him before. I I remember him racing, but Dale knew him because he had talked to him quite a bit. But yeah, and, we had a long. And visit Steve with him. Long. Steve Long was building my motors when I started my first modified motors in Lebanon. Steve and Bobby Bobby Long, Bobby Jones, Steve Long. Steve decided he wanted to go down south. So I knew Alan Kowicki. And I told him to go talk okay. to him. He knows me. So he went to work. He was working for Alan Kowicki, you know, before he got killed. Really? Uh, so, uh, and there have been several guys go down there, you know. Bob Ayton. Do you know, did you ever hear of Bob Ayton? <laughs> he painted nut lettered a lot of cars around here for years. He went. He still. He lived down there. Yeah. He worked. Well, he worked with Ants. Ants was James? a crew chief. Yeah. That's cool. uh, <coughs> see, uh, James Ants was a crew chief for Larry, mm -hmm. and Larry got him hooked up with Mark Martin down there when he went down there originally. Yeah. Well, yeah, I appreciate it very much. We're gonna shut this thing down. Okay. Or if I can figure out how to shut down, Austin's <laughs> gone. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> But I appreciate it very much. Thank All you. Right. Thank you for your time. You're welcome.